Hayes, Lauren, and RJ. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome and glad you along for the ride on a Tuesday installment of the program. Our Tuesdays are always brought to you by our friends at the Nimnik family of dealerships. That means Nimnik Chevrolet on Cassett, Nimnik Buick GMC on Phillips Highway. Frank Frangie Hayes, Car Lion with you. R.J. Saunders back at World Headquarters. Lauren Brooks is on vacation. Mia O'Brien will join us uh, for uh, throughout the show today. She is here with us as we are here in Indianapolis. I've got two words for you. Two words. Combine. <laughs> That's right. A well, lot of people. A lot of people might suggest it's one too big for yeah. one. Well, you know, way too big for yeah, one word. Right. Just and, telling you. And you knew it was going to be a big day when we saw our Uber driver. That was they got us to the convention. That, just, that's when you knew it was going to be a day to remember at the combine. I've seen a lot of things in my life. Yeah. Okay, but for people that don't know, uh, we are here in Indianapolis. Uh, Hayes, Mia, and I. We got to the hotel. We checked into the hotel. Then we had to get from the hotel to the convention, and that's when it happened. We hopped in this. We called it Uber. You called the Uber. Yeah. The Uber was a Tesla <laughs> DeLorean. The <a> Tesla DeLorean, <laughs> driven by the Domino's delivery guy in full uniform. It was so great. Maybe one of the greatest things I've seen in my life. Yeah. yeah. The uh, hardworking the, guy. The, absolutely. He had the. I mean, the Domino delivery guy drives a Tesla. Yeah, with a door that with opens. The doors that open, with the doors that With the, the DeLorean doors. Back to the doors. future DeLorean. And he had the domino stuff on. That was the most one of the I mean, greatest things of my life. We're talking head to toe. <laughs> that was I tremendous. Mean, it was unbelievable. So, so you go, you the test that Tesla's hundred grand. I would okay. think. So you got the hundred thousand dollar Tesla, and you're delivering the dominoes. Yeah. You know what? I got you in, the wrong, pay for the got in the wrong business is yeah. what happened. <laughs> yeah. So I jumped in. So uh, all right, so we got a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, it was things. a lot of fun. Uh, we got a lot of things to do today. Again, uh, Hayes and I'll be with you. Mia's going to join us uh, uh, each hour of the program. We're going to talk a little bit about what her impressions were. Uh, you're going to hear my one-on-one with Doug Peterson. That comes up in about 10 minutes. Uh, you're going to hear my one-on-one with Trent Balky. That comes up in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Mike Keith, uh, my one-on-one with him. He's the play-by-play voice of the Titans. Boy, are they in some transition. Uh, new coach, uh, probably a new running back, new quarterback, sort of. All that coming up on the show. So we got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, when we come to the combine, we try and take you around the league a little bit. We, but more, first and foremost, we want to take you in the minds of, of the key people. And I really want to thank both Doug and Trent. Spent a lot of time with me. I think you'll enjoy those interviews. I hope you do. But Absolutely. they spent a lot of time just uh, when we went through all of it. So uh, so we'll get to all that coming up in a bit. But let me give you some, let's get some overviews for you. Uh, we'll get Trent. Uh, we'll get Doug on in about fifteen minutes or ten mm-hmm. minutes here. But you listen to both of those guys. Okay, I don't want to get your thoughts. And again, about a half an hour, I'm going to bring me in here and get her thoughts as well. But let me start with yours. What your big picture? Um, start with Jaguar personnel. Both Doug and Trent were at the podium today. I will tell you, they told me some things that were different, but not t- entirely different. What they said, they were consistent in their message. What jumped off the page for you from hearing from Jacksonville's two most uh, important football officials? Well, I think from a personnel side, it was great to hear Trent Baalke say that he's got a meeting set up with Josh Allen's agents later today. So those talks are obviously progressing, which is what you want. It's a deadline league. They still have about a week uh, you know, before they have to worry about a tag. So I think that's very encouraging. Um, and, and the vibe I think that Trent Baalke gave off is that the early talks have, have been fruitful. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I feel more encouraged that a deal could be coming with Josh Allen, uh, a big deal. Uh, which would then obviously free up the tag for Calvin Ridley if they want to go that route. Uh, And so I I think from a personnel standpoint, that was interesting. 
both Doug and Trent had more support for Cam Robinson than I was anticipating. Uh, and uh, not as much, I would say, for Fortner. I, I, th- I thought particularly Doug. Doug did podium, and then Doug did a, a scrum with local reporters, and, uh, and, and I thought didn't really offer much of an endorsement for Fortner. Not saying that he should. I mean, obviously, Fortner is probably the one starter on the team that everybody, I think, wants to, to be replaced the most. But I thought that was interesting because at times, particularly in season, Doug Peterson has really defended Luke Fortner. Um, you know, I think in, in terms of just looking at the, the team and, and how it's going to be run on the whole, uh, what is Doug Peterson going to do with this offense? Uh, you know, he, he maintains confidence in Press Taylor, but it's clear Doug Peterson is one of the best play callers in the NFL. Press Taylor is not there yet. Now, maybe one day he will be, but he's not there yet. So I think Doug Peterson wrestles with, do I take this back? And do I call the plays? But I also really like having the freedom to manage a game, to be more involved in our usage of timeouts and challenges and what the defense is doing and, and kind of having that macro overview of the game. I, when he's calling the plays, he doesn't feel like he has that as much. So, I, I mean, Doug went as far as to say this could be like an end of April, May decision before he really solidifies how he wants it to look. I think some of that is the Ryan Nielsen factor. He hasn't worked with Ryan Nielsen, so there's confidence there. But I think he needs to see Ryan Nielsen a little bit in action for that trust to come up because, you know, he was asked, are you going to, you know, turn the keys over to Ryan Nielsen and let him handle the defense? And he was like, well, I haven't worked with him before, so it's hard for me to be at that point. Uh, So I I think some confusion about, you know, the direction of the offense – uh, but from a personnel standpoint, I think we got a lot of good stuff. Trent Baalke was about as forthcoming as I think he's ever been when he was asked about corner. Me asked him about uh, the corner position. And, uh, I mean, he basically said, look, we don't have a three right now, which, you know, if you're Trey Herndon, it's, you know, that, that was probably tough to hear. Um, and, and he's a free agent. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think for the, you know, the, again, if, if, if you're looking at that 17th pick, it's hard to imagine, for me at least, seeing anything other than a corner. Uh, the way Trent Baalke talked about, absolutely, that is going to be a massive uh, acquisition to this team because I just don't think in free agency they're going to get uh, what, they're, what they need. And, and I think at 17, they absolutely will. Yeah, we, He and I are not going to the one-on-one interview we'll have for you. Did not get into a lot of the play calling. Number one, he had already talked about it at the podium. But the other thing is my opinion, and I may be way off on this, Hayes, and the reason there's no urgency, and I want to say this the right way because Ian said this. I don't want to put words in his mouth. I don't think he thinks that part's that big a deal. I think he feels like Press calls plays kind of like he does. He calls plays kind of like Press does. It might be, like you said, it might be April, May, June before he says, okay, here's how we're going to do this. Whereas defensive coordinator had to happen fast. I think some of the personnel rebuild has to happen fast because there were glaring things. I don't think, and I think that what you just said spoke to it. If he thought play calling mattered, not, let me rephrase that. Of course it matters. But if he thought there was a big difference in how he calls plays and, and how his protege press calls plays, by now that would have been dealt with. So I, I, don't, I don't sense that that's a big deal, but we'll see. We're going to talk to him a lot about uh, a lot of different things, a lot about his football team, the culture of his football team. How do you get better? Why did it happen? Why did the collapse happen? Who's at fault? He talks a lot about that. 
Um, how do you get it corrected? What do you do now? And, and I think there's a lot of those conversations. So this is a fun celebration of football. It's a convention of football. That's why people come, and, and they enjoy the convention nature of this thing. Wouldn't you say? I think, I, think, I think that's across the board how everybody feels, and you can sense that from them. But I also think it's a time for us to connect with everybody not as all uptight. You know, this is, this is a very laid-back, not uptight scenario. We talked about this yesterday, Hayes. Everybody's undefeated. No, it's not like SEC media days where you got to leave here and go coach your team, go get ready to play Miami. It's not like that. It's it's very different than that. So it's a laid back setting. So we'll tell you a little bit about that as the week goes on. Here, we'll hear from players. We'll hear from prospects. That starts on Thursday, I believe it does, or even tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, we'll have. Tomorrow. Uh, I think defensive line kicks us off. So, okay, yeah. so it is tomorrow. So we'll be uh, we'll be all over the Jared Verse universe yeah. tomorrow. So you'll hear a lot of you'll hear a lot from some of the players tomorrow, and we'll do that the rest of the week. But today. It's good that the Jaguars coaches came before all that happened. So let's take a break. Uh, we got a lot to do. Glad you're with us on a Nimnik Tuesday from Indianapolis. When we come back, Doug Peterson sits down with me. We have a good long conversation about being the Jaguar football coach, where he wants the team headed, what are the weak areas, what do you got to get fixed, what does he think about his quarterback, what does he think about his roster, what does he think about what happened last year, what does he think about changing the defensive staff. We got into all of it, and it all comes up in a bit. Doug Peterson joins me from the – NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis right after this on 1010XL and on 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. All right, welcome back to the program. Glad you're with us. Frank Frangie along with the coach, Doug Peterson, who joins us now at the NFL Combat. How are you, man? I'm good, Frank. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good, it's yeah. all good. You're making the rounds. You have the podium here and there, and you're used to it, buddy. You, this is old hat to you now, right? Uh, this is old hat. <clears throat> this is old hat, but it's uh, it's always good. You know, you get to see everybody around the league and, and uh, kind of catch up and, and, and talk about the season and, and uh, kind of the future of our sport and, and where we're headed. Yeah, there's a lot of trend questions, aren't there? It's yeah. not just about your team. It's about where everything's going, the college versus the pro. I heard you talking about that a little. Yeah. That, that's kind of yeah. where everybody is. Um, let's talk a little bit about your team. Uh, man, you're, you're close. The end of the season wasn't what you wanted, but I still feel like it's a good roster and you're close. Do you feel that way? I do. Um, I really do. And uh gosh you know we've had a lot of time here to think about you know what went wrong or you know um the decisions i made whatever it might be and and i think i think we all had a hand in it you know um but but i do feel like the pieces are there i I, our quarterback we got the right quarterback to lead us into the future um you know and 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 quite honestly i i think we got the right nucleus of guys We've just got to continue to push. We got to continue to to finish. We got to continue to l- learn how to win and, and win. You know, when we were eight and three, things were going really well. But that's not the time to to rest on our laurels. That's not the time to rest on what we've done. It's now the time to push and continue to push and to grow and 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 learn and and uh, still be aggressive and attack and all those things. And and that's still a work in progress, I think, with our guys. Doug, how am I? I'm going to sound like I'm making an excuse for you, and that's what someone's going to accuse me of. I don't care, but it's not an honest question. You were eight and three on your way to a first possession touchdown when Christian went down, and I think he's a really good player. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good. 
How much did those injuries, not just that one, you, you played eight games without Cam Robinson. Zay, I don't think, was ever healthy. I, 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 uh, Devon was never healthy. How much did that affect your season? Those are our best players. Yeah. Those are our best guys. And when they're not on the field, it's going to affect you. Um, you know, and say what you want around the league. A lot of guys, a lot of teams played with backup quarterbacks and, and backup D offensive linemen. But for us specifically, those were our best players. And, you know, it, it affected us. It affected us in, in many ways because, your, to your point, Zay was never healthy uh, the entire season, right? And, and Christian got hurt in the Cincinnati game. I feel like we're going down to your point. We're going to score an, an, an opening possession touchdown right there and still had a chance to win that football game late. Um, Devon Hamilton missed half the season. Cam, ne- never himself. You know, never. Cam miss, misses half, misses eight games, you know, and and uh, the inconsistency we had the left side of our offensive line. I, I just think all of that, all of that affects you as a team. Um, it weighs on you as a team, and and you don't want to make the excuse, um, but but it's something that, that we have to learn from and, and just understand that injury is going to happen next man up mentality and we got to make sure the next guy is coached just as hard just as well as that starter is trevor's one of the guys that played he had the knee the ankle the shoulder he had the concussion uh, so i got a little chuckle over there when someone said you have the right quarterback i'm thinking yeah he's probably got the right quarterback but but i chuckled a little sorry but the uh um how did he play and how much did all that affect him i think up until the injuries he was playing playing really well I do think the injuries affected him. And he may not tell you that, you right. know, the prideful guy in Trevor. And I'd probably say the same thing. Oh, it didn't bother me. But I, I'd have to say that it did bother him because he missed practice time. And regardless of who it is, when you miss practice time during the week, one day is fine. But if you miss a couple of days and then expect to play at a high level on Sunday, it's hard. It's hard. And and um, so I think, I think it did affect him, you know. Um, and all things that, that listen, you know, we got to make sure that he stays healthy, right? Yeah. Um, we got to make sure that he doesn't put the ball in harm's way. Um, he, he is he going to miss a practice from time to time? Yes, but but you know, making sure that that we continue as a staff to continue to hey, if if like the CJ, you know, Bethard came in and played in the Carolina game, right. played well, uh, we win that football game. If it's a matter of doing that for a game or two until your quarterback gets healthy you do that but listen these are our best players as we said and and when they miss practice time and miss games it, it's going to affect your team you made a point over there i didn't think about it but counting the year counting the time that ezra cleveland was here that group played together one time i, I didn't i didn't think about last that game you, of the year i didn't think about it till you said it but but counting the time if you go if you went cam ezra luke uh sheriff and um anton there's only one time. I didn't, I didn't think about that. So they one never – there's continuity issues, aren't there, when yes. that happens? Yeah. there's continuity, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. And Ezra was kind of beat up at the yeah, time, too. Yeah. You know, Walker was beat up at the time, and, and, and Cam was coming off an injury. And, you know, um, really Luke, Brandon, and Anton were the, yeah, were the yeah. three most healthy guys. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of it. Um, you know, coaches, we got to coach better. Uh, we got to simplify things. And make sure that our players are, are, are getting the most out of, of what we're asking them to do. Doug, how did Luke play at center? I, did, did he regress at all in your mind? How did he play? I thought he played okay. Um, you know, I thought I thought that he um, there was there was moments in there where uh, I think his confidence wavered a little bit, 
and and I think that just came from outside influences. The media was on him, you know, national, local, the whole thing, and, and that did affect him a little bit that way. Um, we didn't help him much, you know, uh, or, or much at all with some of the scheme stuff. Asking him to do too much, you know, as a young player, those are on those are on us as coaches, and so all of that took a toll, I think, on Luke um, as the season went on, you know, and 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 he's played. I believe he's played every game, yeah, all but right. three snaps, I think, in two years. So he's played a ton of football. And and uh, we still feel um, very confident in Luke that we can get it done and he can get it done. And uh, looking forward to this offseason with him. Doug Peterson, this is the Jaguar football coach. Let's talk defense. You made wholesale changes on your defensive staff, and you made them swiftly. At what point did you realize or at least start thinking that I may have to change things up over there? I mean, I, you know, it, it crosses your mind later in the season, a couple of weeks left, you okay. know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like things weren't going in the right direction, okay. you know, there. And, and, um, and, and listen, I'm not putting all the blame on that side of the ball either because the offense has enough blame of, of its own, right? And, and um, you know, we all have, we're all in this together. So, um, but thinking about it, you know, it was, it was later in the season and, and just – felt like that you know um, was going to make a change you know at the end of the year and 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 really um, you know stir things up shake it up a little bit and 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 try to help us uh, you know get back to winning tell me about Ryan Nielsen why is he the right guy I love I love the press conference I mean he seemed like a football coach man but why is he the right guy he's a ball coach and and I just love I love the he's a former defensive lineman he you know he had a cup of coffee in the National Football League a little bit and and um, but he's, he's coached some great players whether it was in New Orleans obviously in Atlanta um, he he coaches he coaches defense like he was coached you know and it's a very it's a very simplistic yet aggressive approach um, attention to detail the way he practices um, where he puts his players the the, 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 the scheme fits for guys. Uh, how he talks about players, what he needs on defense from a from a personnel standpoint, I just all of that makes him um, for me right now makes makes him the right fit. Doug, you talked and Trent both talked about a scheme change. Now look, Nichols out there seventy percent of the time. Yeah, there's four guys down and a bunch of defensive backs. I know, how but people want to talk about scheme change. And is there going to be is it is it going to be more of a four, a four man front now? Where are you headed? I mean, you're going to see more of it. And, and to your point, I mean, it's it's you're spending 75, almost 80 percent in, in nickel defense, which is a four down four down line anyway. Yeah. You know, and and um, you know, with with the opportunity to have Josh and Trayvon on the edges, and then you continue to get Roy and Devon, you know, in the middle, and you can play that four down front. We'll still from time to time be a be a 34 base defense. You know, uh, and have some guys stand up on the edge, things like that. But, you know, primarily it's where you spend all your time, yeah. and and it's going to be a nickel defense. And uh, uh, that's why I think when you say scheme change, it's not maybe the scheme as much as it is the look of the defense and who's actually on the field. Doug, when you look at your roster, I'm going to ask this two ways. Let me start with your roster. Obviously, you and Frank can't show your hands who you sign and draft, and I know that. But where do you see areas where you need to improve the roster? What, what jumps off the page for you without getting too specific there? Well, I mean, you're always looking to improve every position, yeah. honestly. Um, you know, you can never have enough big bodies. So offense and defensive line, right, yeah. is, is always a, a must. I mean, yeah. you look around the league and, you know, just look at our team and the amount of injuries and got to have guys to fill in and step in. And we were actually blessed to have 
a guy like Walker Little and Tyler Shatley and guys like that who right. could who could who could play and step in and and, and do well. Um, but the emphasis there is just having the big bodies. You know, we're a passing league, right? So secondary guys, you, you got to have corners. You got to have five corners, six corners. Yep. If you're going to play nickel and dime, you know, you got to have the ability to do that and, and, and mix these guys around. Um, even look at the receiver position. You know, I mean, you're, you're going to go into a game with five guys. One of them's going to be a Jamal Agnew type, right, with a, a return specialist. And, you know, so you're, it's, it's hard to put your finger on yeah. one spot when you're kind of looking at the whole picture, the whole pie. Um, and, and ultimately, through this whole process here, uh, begins kind of that journey as to, to, you know, who you're going to select, what positions you're going to go after, and then how your team's going to look heading into the season in September. The other part of the question, apart from personnel, you and I have had this talk a thousand times online and offline. You inherited a dysfunctional mess. You won't ever say it, but I'll say it. I was here. You did. And you built the culture, and it was magnificent. What's the next step? Because I think you got a good culture, but like you said, you got to finish games. You got to. So, so what's what's the next step emotionally with these guys? I, I think that's it, Frank. I think I, we got to learn to finish. Yeah. We've got to learn to finish, learn to win, and you know it's okay to be eight and three, but it's also okay to be thirteen and four at the end of the season or whatever it might be. So, being able to push, and that's all part of finish. You know, execution, taking care of the football, you know, taking care of your bodies, all that's part of it. Um, and that's kind of, to me, for me, kind of the next step with our football team. We've done this now for two years. We've seen the high, and we've felt the low, even though we've had two winning seasons back-to-back. But now we've got to be more consistent in our finish, our approach, and, 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 and win, win more games. Because we're, we're capable of doing that. Yeah. We have yeah. the type of players to do that. It feels that way. It feels like you have a good roster. Two more things. The two players everyone's talking about are Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley. Obviously, that's the personnel department. You said that, but they're so important, I would think, to you. Tell me about both. Let's start with Josh. I can't imagine you want to move forward without Josh Allen. Got to have Josh Allen. Got to have him. And, and, you know, he knows that. Obviously, you know, Trent, they're working on it and trying to trying to get some stuff done and, and all of that, and that's that's for them to, to talk about. But selfishly, I want Josh Allen on our roster. He makes us better. Um, he had a heck of a year last year, 17 and a half sacks, combined with Trayvon's 10. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing 30 sacks with two guys, and, and that impacts your team. That, 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 changes, that changes games when you get players like that. And, and, and so, yes, um, Josh, Josh is a big part of, of, you know, hopefully of us moving forward. Um, and selfishly, I'd, I want to see him back. And Calvin Ridley, if you could, I would think. You, you talked about keeping everyone together if you can, right? Yeah, if you can. I mean, that's the, that's the nature of the game. I mean, you only got so many dollars to spread yeah. around. We do know the cap went up this year, which is, which is good. And, and all of that, but Calvin's another one that you know. Let's see what he does in year two with Trevor. Let's see, let's see what he does with the offense. You know, second time around, and and how he how he's grown uh, as a receiver, and and uh, how he can work with with Trevor. You know, going into the second year um, together. So, would love to have him. Uh, I think he makes us better. You know, at the skill position, he gives us an element of speed. You know, on the outside, and and you know, when you when you're the most pressed receiver one of the most pressed receivers in the national football league that should tell you something yeah, it does. right there so that's the type of guy we want and and he makes us better as well final question what's the next step for trevor i ask you that every year I, I i'm a big trevor guy and i think he played through all those injuries you and i've had a lot of these talks but what's the next step for trevor lawrence well you know learn from last year 
learn from last year. Be a be a you know be a bulldog, man. Just put your head down and go to work this year, and and learn learn from the mistakes, learn from the good. Uh, you know, take all of that and, and use it for, um, you know, kind of fuel his emotion, right? And 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 lead the team like we all know uh, he can lead, and and then just elevate his game. You know, some of the throws he made during the course of the season, well, they got to be week in and week out, right? They, they can't be this week and maybe not next week, but week in, week out. And we have to, as a staff, too, we got to challenge him that way, you know, and put him in situations to do that. And, um, you know, for us, I think that's the next step. And that's the next step, I think, too, for the entire team, not just for Trevor, but with the entire team, is to have that mindset, have that aggressiveness that, listen, you know, um, it's kind of win at all costs, and whatever we got to do, we're going to figure it out, and we're going to win this football game. Much like in 22, you know, where we, we learned how to do that, now let's let's do it week in and week out, have that mindset and the mentality. Doug Peterson, Jaguar Coach, I know you're busy. Thanks for stopping by, man. I yep. appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Frank. All right, back in a moment on 1010XL. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Hodges Mazda Combine coverage is brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Frank Frangie Hayes, Carline with you, RJ Saunders at World Headquarters. Lauren Brooks on vacation. Mia O'Brien with us. She was in that Tesla. She was. With the open wing doors and the domino driver. Yeah, I, I honestly, he had, Frank, the domi- he had the domino out there. You, you said you had more fun watching my reaction you were, than you did actually riding in the Tesla. Yeah, well, I, by the way, I had, never been, I had never been in a Tesla with wings either. Oh, say, yeah. I, I was right with you. But, I, was a, I was a child in a candy store. Yeah, I was too. So, uh, how you doing? Good. You've been, Mia's been grinding, by the way. Well, let me just, we did, we heard that there was a an issue with the, both the stream and the YouTube audio, it has been corrected, right? Yes, so, so we are live streaming now, unfortunately. Yeah, we apologize. Midway the- through the Doug Peterson interview there, the YouTube connection decided to fail for reasons unknown. Yeah. If you go back to the X or Twitter, whatever you call it these days, or Facebook live stream, if you scroll backwards, you will be able to yeah. hear the audio there. We are going to have the video version of that interview with Doug Peterson posted on our YouTube and Facebook channels, as well as clips on all of our other channels, posted as soon as I get done this segment yeah, with yeah. you, gentlemen. Yeah, so it's going to be on very quickly. And you're, and also for the radio listeners, you'll hear Doug again in the 5 o'clock hour, and you'll hear Trent coming up at just 4 o'clock. All right, Hayes and I have weighed in. Big picture for today. Here in the podium, here in the two interviews we did here, what jumped off the page for you? Yeah, you know, for me, I've been pretty steadfast in my belief that number 17 overall should be an offensive lineman who gives you some flexibility. Um, I'm not giving up on Walker Little, but I do think that there's going to come a time where you have to say goodbye to Cam Robinson. I'm not sure that you can afford to get rid of both Brandon Scherf and Cam Robinson, but also I'm not sure if you financially can keep both of them, although that was the prevailing sentiment that I felt like I heard today and so I've been pretty steadfast in saying I believe Walker Little should be your left tackle you should draft either a Troy Fatanu or a Tylese Fuaga who gives you the position flexibility where 
if Walker Little balls out and you can't pay him next year and he walks, you have a left or right tackle while having a guard right now. It sure as heck sounds like it. I felt like this was the sentiment at the end of last year, Frank, um, that Ezra Cleveland would be back in some capacity. That seems to be a goal of Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson and company. But it was just so fascinating for me today to hear the the, the criticism of the offensive line was indeed on Luke Fortner. It wasn't on all those other parts that I think some other people around the building have thought that, you know, maybe that's where some of the shortcomings were. And to be quite honest, big picture, Frank, I feel like it's 2019 all over again. And we're saying we got injured. Christian Kirk went down. Zay was never healthy. We only had the starting offensive line, which Ezra Cleveland wasn't on the team in August. The starting offensive line only played once together in 17 games. We're going to run it back. That was the vibe I got today. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you Sam. I saw Hayes, you tweeted that too. I'll give you a bunch of thoughts on what you said. First of all, the offensive line didn't play very well. That was the reality. And I don't think that was entirely injury-induced. Doug's right. They, weren't, they didn't have great continuity there. But I didn't think that group was very good. But I think there was something to the, the Christian Kirk and the oh, Zay yeah. Jones and Christian Trevor playing hurt. Sure. I think yeah. I think injuries. You hate to make excuses for them. And I asked Doug the question. I said, "Listen, it sounds like I'm making an excuse, but it is my opinion that injury. Listen, everybody gets hurt. It's the NFL. But in my my opinion is that injuries did affect them. So something else you said. I think. By the way, if, if they moved on from Cam Robinson, I don't think Walker Little be the left tackle. I think Anton Harrison would move over there, and Walker would be the right tackle. But and I think you guys kind of said this. I I got off the plane this morning thinking they were going to cut Cam Robinson and save $16 million. I thought they'd trade him and yeah, at least reap yeah. a, a fifth but, or a but, fourth or but something. Move, but, move, right, but move on. Yeah. I don't know that I think that anymore. I think if there's one thing that changed for me today, listening to the podium, talking to Doug and Trent, I might have done it about – Mike Dempsey had – I was on with Mike Dempsey and Tony yesterday, and Mike asked me point blank, is, is Cam Robinson a cap casualty? And I said, yes. If I was on again tomorrow, I might go the other way. That's the one thing that might have changed for me a little bit. I, I agree because I, I think, in, I think in, in talking about it, they would have been, I think, a little bit more reserved. I do, too. In, I do, in, too. You know, it, I don't think they would have said things like, well, he's under contract and we expect him back. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't to me, you don't go on record publicly say that and then whack a guy in two days. I mean, so it. You know, again, Trent Baalke deflected, as all the GMs did, basically, that were asked about it, about the cap going up. But it did give them more flexibility than what they thought they would have. So if Cam Robinson was a 51% cut, 49% keep, and then you get this extra cap money, well, maybe that does push it. I'm not saying it did, but I'm just in speculating Maybe that did push it to, well, you know what? We probably can keep him. And it's not like he's 34. So if they did want to adjust the deal, push money out, I mean, you could do it. It's Again, I think they're fine to move on from him because I think they've got something in Harrison that's special, and I think Walker Little could play right tackle for a year, and, and he'd probably be fine. But, but yeah, I, I was surprised because I thought the vibe was very much that I thought it was a good day for Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson was one of two players last year whose deals were not restructured. And I was told by more than one person at Everbank Stadium that that was not a coincidence, that last year was the last year of Cam. And that, mind you, was before the suspension was handed down. Well, I can also tell you that I, I agree with you that midseason that was the plan. 
I'm not sure it is now. Right, and that's what I think. That's yeah. And I didn't think Walker Little played bad. That's where I'm still just trying to wrap my head around. But I will tell you, they think Anton Harrison's a left tackle and Walker Little's a right tackle. I can I can tell you that. But 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 again, I'm now starting to think they keep Cam Robinson. The other thing is that, and I was the only guy in town that didn't see it this way, so I was the latest to the party, which isn't the first time. Boy, they do want cornerbacks. Oh my God! They, 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 I, I, I don't. I don't <laughs> I know that I. More. I don't know that I properly. Well, you've been saying y'all. Have I have not. It. I've been I, fighting it. But yeah. but I, but I, it now appears that now now listen. Maybe there's something to this. Ryan Nielsen's going to play man, and and even Tyson Campbell. That's not his best thing. It's definitely not Darius Williams' best thing. So now it does. And again. You can't do a mock until you know what they've done in free agency, even though people love to do it, and they're all fun. But you can't, you can't, you can't be confident in your mock until then. But now it's clear now whether it's free agency, whether it's later in the draft, whether it's 17 overall, they're adding cornerbacks. That 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 could not have been any more clear from everybody that spoke today. Yeah, they don't have a, th- they don't have a third guy. I mean, we but just, I didn't we just, see. I, see, I, I I went over there for Doug's podium. Okay, yeah. so for people that don't know how this works, I went to Doug's podium. Okay. Then, but I couldn't go to Trent's podium because I came here to set this up to right. be ready for because because Trent was going from the podium right to me. Right. So I couldn't. So I couldn't listen to his podium. So I'm sorry I interrupted you, but no. but the point you were making is he said at the podium. I we asked don't have a, him. We, you asked yeah. the question. Yeah, I asked. We him. don't have a third guy. And so I mean I I think it and it, and it and it falls if you look at the value at the position it seems like 17 is kind of a sweet spot for it. I mean. Maybe one's off the board, but probably that'd be the the max you would think in the first 16 picks. So, you know, I think there's probably four guys you feel really good about, and you're probably going to get the second of the first or second selection of the of the group. So, it just makes sense. You know, I I was resistant to it initially too, uh, and then you had Ryan Nielsen talk about it at his Daniel Jeremiah has mocked Quinion Mitchell in back to back mock drafts. I mean, it just it just it just lines up. I mean, they just it's uh, it's it's a it's a chasm. I mean, this is probably Darius Williams' last year. Uh, Tyson will be a Jaguar for a while, but it's coming off a disappointing year, and they have no nickel. Right, and so that's that's the part that I fa- find fascinating. Even if you go out and you draft a Terion Arnold, if he falls to you, if you draft a Quinion Mitchell, they're playing outside. Darius Williams struggled inside two years ago. So are you saying goodbye to Darius Williams, who is about to enter his age 31 year? Maybe. If you say he's not a Ryan Nielsen corner, I tend to believe that – Tyson Campbell is. I know I've also heard from plenty of our listeners that Darius Williams at times played more of a pressed man corner with the Los Angeles Rams in certain formations. What I can tell you, two things. Number one, I had a philosophical conversation with Doug, God, it must be like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, where he said, I don't want to hear it about base. I don't want to hear about 4-3, 3-4, because the truth of the matter is the league is headed towards a spread obviously it's already in a spread offense but therefore it's trending towards almost a seven on seven if your secondary isn't a strength you're screwed either way so that's number one so you knew they wanted to fortify the secondary to begin with because the league is such a passing offense and then the the second part of it is just with regards to the nickel position i felt like they either thought they may have something in greg jr they could kind of patchwork that Maybe Christian Braswell, who they took in the sixth round, played primarily nickel at Rutgers. Maybe they throw him as that third. Maybe they still do, and they say goodbye to Darius Williams. But I just can't help but feel like even if you draft the corner at 17, 
And that, you know, is a strength now because now you have a, two bona fide number ones in Tyson and whoever you draft. At the same time, the slot's going to be there for the taking. And Antonio Johnson is not going to be playing the slot or nickel. Well, well a couple things. First of all, the Christian Braswells and the Buster Browns and the Greg Juniors, guys like that, there's exceptions. And every once in a while, a guy like that will come and help your team on defense. But you're mostly drafting those guys for special teams in depth. Antonio Johnson is a different story. Right. Antonio Johnson was a second rounder that, for whatever reason, became a fifth rounder. He's a really good player. Those other guys are backups, backups and special Depth. teams guys. Yeah. So yeah, but but no, Doug spoke that. So so for me, what has changed for me is Cam Robinson. If you now ask me to bet, a I wouldn't take the bet. But if you ask me to bet now, I'd bet he's going to be here, and I, and I was totally going the other way. That's a. B. Uh, I now think cornerback is going to be something they really work to add. I would not have said that before. Now I think it is something they're going to work very hard to add. So those two things have changed for me. Um, I will say this, and I believe this all along, but I believe it more than ever now. They're going to do their best not to cut people. I'm now not sure they cut Rayshon Jenkins. I'm now not sure they cut Cam Robinson. 2019 or 2018, yeah. they're running it back. I'm pretty convinced now. That the that Zay Jones is going to be on the team. I, I and I've said this all along. Me, Hayes has heard me say. Hayes and Lauren have heard me say it so much. Now I've said it ad nauseum. I think they have a good team. I'm more what they did to the eight. I see more of the eight and three Jaguars than I do the one and five Jaguars. That's just for me because I know the Christian Kirk going down did affect him, and he's going to be back. The Zay Jones being hurt all year did affect him, and he's going to be back. Trevor's not going to have ankle, knee, shoulder, concussion next year. So, again, I tend to be a Pollyanna guy, by, and I will admit to that. But I see that team. I see now they still got to get better in a lot of areas. The offensive line wasn't very good. I don't think the interior of the defensive line was very good. Or the defensive coaching overall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's well, another thing well, that they're they certainly addressed that. They right. certainly, so, but and I, Doug hinted at that more than once today without saying it. And, of course, he kept saying it's with all respect to Mike Caldwell. Yeah. But he kept saying well, how he was having to oversee more than well, he otherwise I, well, would, which well, you can read between well, the lines. And I asked him this. I said, Doug, when did you kind of know? Because he obviously announced it. One day after the season. so After telling me he would not yeah, be yeah, making changes. Yeah, yeah. But, but, I mean, he announced it one day after the season, meaning it, he didn't decide it then. So, and, he, and he's an honest guy. He said, listen, he said, toward the end of the year, you start realizing that there's probably some things you're going to have to change. And that was one of them. So, yeah. So, so, so again, the point the, where I'm going with all this, I've said all along, they've got a good roster. They, the window is open. They've got to fix some things. But they're close. That's what I've thought. I take what I took from them today is that they think that that they think they're close, um, and that there's a few there's, which is why you bring back everybody you can. Now look, people cost money. There is a cap. You know you can't bring back everybody and pay new people and, and give people raises and give people. I get all that, but I think uh, I think that's where they are uh, philosophically. I really do. Yeah, and again, you know, Trent Balky said accurately that they're right about in the middle of the league when it comes to cap space and, and maybe in a little bit pushing more towards the upper third. Look, if they get the deal done with Josh Allen, his cap number next year is not going to be high. Correct. So that also then allows you to tag Ridley, send Atlanta the third, come to an agreement with Ridley at some point in the summer. His cap number for next year would be really low the average of those contracts would be big and eventually they will come due but in year one my guess is they will structure it so that josh allen and calvin ridley for the 24 season have a pretty low number and if that's the case 
Absolutely. They can keep some pieces together that maybe we didn't think they would, and they can be bold. Again, this needs to be an aggressive offseason for the Jaguars. That is a really good point that people don't make. I'm glad you said that. A really good point that people miss, miss, miss. Extensions provide early economy. People don't realize an extension provides very early value, man, because nobody nobody does an extension and front loads the deal. Why would you do it? You, you know? Yeah, and so so the the early if and again back for a team that's in their window, if a team's in their window, the early economy makes you go buy more guys. And and by the way, you don't want to kick the dollars down the road, but everybody does at some point. Except Every, Trent. Yeah, but, 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 Except but, Trent. Right, probably, but, but but my point is when you're in the window and listen, Trent probably and, needs to win this and year. And you got an owner that will write the check. Yeah, yeah. That so. is more than willing to give Write the Guaranteed signing money. bonus. Yeah, yeah. yeah you check just, yeah, to restructure the deal. But there's early, you're right. There's cash up front. Yeah. But there's early economy in your cap when you extend somebody. And that, and we haven't talked about that. We just talked about, oh, it's going to cost, it's going to cost, it's going to cost. Well, if you're trying to win next year and right. the year after that, worry about that in 2028 because that is a real thing. Two things I'm realizing, and they're more rumors than anything. I kind of – Addressed it a little bit with Trent Bulky, but we really didn't full throttle ask it, which is um, the pass rush from a year ago. Yeah. We, we know Dewan Smoot, Caleb on chase on pending free agents. You know who you have as your one and your two. You're going to have Josh Allen in some way, some shape or form at the outside linebacker defensive end position. You'll have Trayvon Walker. What, all, what else do you have there? So that's number one because obviously there are these rumors circulating, and we can check in with our friends throughout this week up in Minnesota. You because, mean the Daniel Hunter, right? Rumor. The Daniel Hunter thing. So we didn't get a chance to specifically ask that because there's a lot of other things to get to today. But you know that, that may be something to explore while we're All here right. in Indianapolis. So that's one, and then two, this notion, and I've seen it a time or two, and I haven't heard anything directly, but this idea of since we were talking about conveyor belt and developing players. Would they say goodbye to Foye Aluakin to make way for Chad Muma? Because that's something that's been floated a time or two to I me. I would be shocked. I would be shocked I, as well. I, I, I would be. I would be shocked as well. I, I, I'm not. I have not heard it from anyone directly. Yeah. And, and I, I talk to a lot of people with regards to that situation. I'll be interested to see if Chad Muma is ahead of Ventral Miller in two years. Ventral Miller is really fast. Can really, and he's got to stay healthy. But Ventral Miller can run. Chad Moon was a good, solid player. That was, I think the last thing you do when you're in your window is move on from Foyer Lewicken. I mean, you're, you're, again, you're in your window now. As to the Daniel Hunter thing, I can't imagine how they could afford all that. As you know that Well, they would say goodbye to Ridley yeah, but, and draft a wide receiver but, in the second round. Yeah, but if you could get Daniel Hunter and Josh Allen opposite each other and Trayvon's inside, I, you and I had this talk, what, a week ago? Awesome. I mean, I mean it, I'm fantasizing because I don't believe that could happen. But if the, if – if a football team had the 17-and-a-half guy and the 16-and-a-half guy and, and the first overall pick inside. Who had 10 last year. Yeah, who, who also had 10. Yeah, that would be great stuff. All right, so, uh, Mia, thank you. Mia's going to join us a little bit later on. Here's what we're going to do. Hour two is coming up. I want you to hear from Trent Balky. I sat down one-on-one with Doug. I also sat down one-on-one with Trent. That comes up in a bit. After that, I want you to weigh in on the other stuff you heard today. What did D'Amico Ryan sound like? What do some of the other coaches sound like? Later on in the hour, Mike Keith joins me. He is the play-by-play voice of the Titans. We're going to do one every day. Mike Keith today, Mark Vandermeer, the play-by-play voice of the Texans tomorrow, Matt Taylor, the play-by-play voice of the uh, Colts. That is on Thursday. But let's take a break. When we come back, Trent Balky joins me, the general manager. What does he think about all this? That is next. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL.
Hit back with Hastings. Live from Indy, Hodges Mazda presents the Franchi Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. All right, welcome back to the Combine. Frank Frangie along with the general manager, Trent Balky, who just did his podium thing. How you doing? How are you? Yeah, good, Frank. That's like getting your tooth pulled without Novocaine <laughs> over there, but doing good. You weren't anticipating all the Harbaugh questions, huh? No. no. Yeah, well, actually, I was. Actually, <laughs> you kind, I was. you kind of knew they were. Hey, um, tell me about the Combine. Uh, you come every year. I come every year. I was telling you before you went on, it's crazy here. What do you gain? Watching players, talking to players, medical? I guess it's all of the above, but, I mean, what means the most to you when you come here? Well, that's changed over the years. You know, it's getting more and more restrictive uh, to access to players. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get short segments with guys. Uh, they're a lot more schooled up than they used to be, whether it's on the mental test, whether it's on the interviews themselves or the physical testing. It's There's just such a process to, that these guys go through now in preparation for, the, for this combine that years ago they didn't. They came in, they were... They were kind of raw, right? Right. You know, now they're they're schooled in every aspect of it. So I think you get a little bit less than you used to, or quite a bit less than you used to get. But it's there's still value. Yeah, they're prepared. I get that. I get that. Now let's talk about your football team a little bit. You said something in your postseason presser in Jacksonville that really stood out to me: toughness, toughness in the trenches. That that was an area. It's the first thing you identified. Yeah. Tell me about that. How, do you fix that with new players? Do you fix that with players getting older? To talk about that, because I, th- I agree with you. I thought that was kind of the thing. Well, there's a, there, you know, we talked about when we first took over in this organization that we had to, you know, our our identity had to be. You know, we wanted tough-minded, physical, uh, aggressive, you know, football players, smart football players, disciplined guys, and that hasn't changed. And, and we've got a good group of guys. Uh, we didn't play up to our standards. Uh, you know, we've talked about that. Coaches openly address that. And there's things that we've identified that we need to fix. Uh, you know, it's so we're going to continue to do that. And we're going to look at all aspects of, of it, play, each, each uh, player specifically, uh, what we're asking them to do, uh, the whole nine yards. You know, we've had some great discussions, uh, the personnel staff and the coaching staff over the last couple of weeks, just on what exactly that looks like. You know, and we, we know we need to add to the room. We know we need to get more competitive in there. Uh, but we, there's other things we can do to help the process as well. When you – you made another comment that stood out. When it's one thing to get to being competitive, the harder step is getting competitive to being a championship team. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But, but, but that's the hard one. I mean, you have a good team, right? So when you're close and you're in your window – do you, do you sign more free agents? Do you try and create more cap room? Does it, is, it, is it that black and white? What do you do? Well, I think you got to look at everything. You know, we were 8-3, and three, and, and one game away from being number one in the AFC for seeding purposes, and then we kind of lost it. Yeah. You know, we went five and we lost five of our last six games, and obviously we finished one game out of the playoffs. Huge disappointment, and when you go through with something like that, you, you You'd be making a huge mistake to be, jump to any conclusions too quickly. Yeah. You got to let it process. You got to you got to sit back and say, okay, why? It's never one thing. There, there, it's a multitude of things, and you got to assess each level of, of what that what that looks like. 
you know, and, and Coach and I and, and the staffs have had some great conversations, like I said, in terms of how are we going to address that and what it's going to look like. And for us to share that plan at this stage doesn't do us any good. But we, we know what we're doing. We know what we need to do, at least in our minds. And now we just got to go execute the plan. Let me ask you about some specifics. Obviously, you can't negotiate in the media and, let, and show your hand. I get that. But update me on at least how you feel about the Josh Allen thing. Everyone's asking the question. You're getting yeah. asked it all the time. But it's a big deal. It, it, how do you feel that thing's going? Well, it's ongoing. You know, anytime you're talking about the, doing a deal with a marquee player, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of factors involved. And, you know, we're to, I have ongoing discussions with Joel. In fact, I'm meeting with him, his agent, here in the next couple hours just to have another Good. chat. You know, and, and there's going to be back and forth like there is in every negotiation. And you're just trying to find a common ground. And if you can reach a common ground, my, my goal is, our goal as an organization is to reach a common ground. Is that likely in the next 24 hours? For you know, I, I don't know. I don't think either side knows at this point. But we got to work together. we got to get to the table. And that's the only way it's going to get done. The goal, I would think, for, all, for both sides get it done before you have to involve the tag or anything else. I mean, that's, it may not happen, but that, that's both sides' goal? Is that a safe guess? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're always trying to get things done sooner rather than later. Yeah. It helps us as we move forward in our planning and our, you know, because it does affect the salary cap. But if it doesn't get done, it's, it's not an end-all either. Uh, we, we're going to work diligently with them to try to get something done and, and hopefully get it done as qu- sooner rather than later. How do you feel, Trent, about Calvin Ridley and trying to keep him, if at all possible? Obviously, there's a lot. We all know that we all know the possibilities, the second, the third. We've all we've been through that. But how do you feel about where you are there? Well, we like Calvin, obviously, and and Calvin and I sat down in my office uh, two, three days ago. Okay. He came in and we just had a heart to heart, you know, and, and love Calvin, you know, and. and He's so passionate about the game of football. And Trevor and and him, we're starting to build a little bit of synergy as the season went on. And it's only going to get better as we move forward. So we're going to do what we can in that area as well. You've got a lot of good players that are under contract, but that are... They cost a lot of money. <laughs> they do. Cam Robinson costs a lot of money. Rayshon costs money. They're good players. Uh, and you've been through this a thousand times. But how do you deal with that in your mind? You don't want to let go of a good player. You've you got to create the dollars, right? Take me through the process. Well, it's, it's tough because you, you, get, you get attached to these players as well. You know, and so you got to put the emotional side away because they give so much to the organization. You know, every one of these guys gives, gives everything they have to, to – hopefully winning a championship and there's sometimes when you know you can't please them all financially it's impossible you know you got young guys coming in that eventually are going to need contracts like trevor and tyson and andre and all these guys walk you know you got a group of guys that are ascending and then you got to get a group that's that's there and making it and you can't make them all happy financially there's a cap and the cap is real now you could push some money and do some things but at some point you got to make tough decisions and I think that's where we're at with this offseason. There's going to be some tough decisions that have to be made. When does that happen? When, when do you, I mean, obviously we know the league year starts, but I mean, in your mind, is it now? Do you go right up to the league year starting as a GM? What's the timetable? You try to, if you are going to move on from a player, you try to be upfront and honest with them. And, okay. you know, you don't hold them to the, to the, bar, the barrel of their head. Yeah. You know, you, you just can't do that. You got to be forth, forthright with them. 
uh, and, and that's how we're going to operate. You know, we're going to we've got some decisions that we're going to need to make. We're we're talking through this week to to see where things shake up with some of these discussions. Uh, but then we're going to have to make decisions. So it'll be within the next week or so. We're going to have to those, those plans will be unveiled to the public. Uh, you talked a little bit about after Ryan Lewis got hired about a scheme change. And Doug said, listen, there may be a scheme change, but in this day and age, it's not that dramatic. It'll look different, he said. Is there going to be a scheme change defensively? Did you want that? Well, I think what Coach said, I mean, so much of what we play in this world nowadays is, is four-man front, four-man surfaces yeah. and, and nickel coverage. Yeah, 70% nickel of the time, and dime, probably, you yeah. know, So 70 75% of the time you're in that anyway. So regardless of you build out of a 30 package, you know, from a personnel perspective yeah. or out of a 40, the bottom line is you're playing the same stuff 75% of the time, 70 75% of the time. So, you know, it's going to look a little bit different, but the the, the overriding uh, from a personnel perspective isn't going to change very much on what we're, type of players we're looking for. Offensively, how did you think Luke Fortner played? How did the interior of your line play? Are you still confident in a lot of that group? Yeah, there's there's confidence, but we got to get better. You know, and, and, you know, we all have to own what we have to own in this. You know, we didn't run the ball well enough. You know, and, and you know, like I said earlier, you're trying to make these rooms of, as competitive as possible. Luke started every, every game since he's been a rookie. You know, so there's a lot of experience at that position that he has. There's things that he has to do better. There's things that all of us have to do better. And uh, we've been very honest and forthright with players, with ourselves, on what that looks like. You know, so again, it comes back to competition. How competitive can we make those rooms so that everybody has to take one step forward or two steps forward? Nobody's going to be allowed to stay stay the same. Status quo doesn't work because it wasn't good enough. We finished 9-8. and eight, We were out of the playoffs. So something's got to give, and we've got to get better. And we all know that. I thought Trayvon took a nice step. Did you think that? Tell me, what did you think? Yeah, I think Trayvon's progress, his development is what we expected it to be. Yeah. You know, we knew what we were getting when we drafted him with the first pick overall two years ago. You know, he hadn't played a lot of football. He hadn't done a lot of the things that we were going to ask him to do at the, at the NFL level, especially on his feet, playing in space, setting edges from the two-point. You know, he played a lot of four technique in, in college. So there was going to be a developmental curve for him, and I think you saw it from year one to year two. I think you're going to see it even more from year two to year three. Is he a better player with his hand on the ground? I'm over. I just, I'm overly simplifying it, I suppose. But is he? Well, he's such a talented player. What he allows you to do is look for matchups. Yeah. Right. And I think you'll see that more. And again, I'm not the coach. I don't scheme. Yeah. But I think you're going to see him move around the the, the formations a little more and. Uh, try to look for matchups a little bit more aggressively but i don't know that you know i I just envision that that's the direction we're headed with him final thing or two it's hard it's hard being a gm (laughs) it's hard you you win you're the greatest you lose same with the coach you lose everyone's mad at you well it's hard being a fan yeah it's hard being a fan it it is because you don't have as much control as you want over the situation and i understand that you know we've got a great fan base frank and and you know i appreciate their passion you know, so when they lash out at me for the for decisions that are made or, or the record, I get it. You know, and, and I wouldn't want it any other way. It's the, it's the it's the job we do. You know, we live with, and the responsibility we bear. So I'm good with all that.
I get it. I appreciate that, and I, and I do appreciate that. Final thing, where's your roster in terms of where it needs to be to be a championship team? How far? We're, we're not there. We're not where we need to be, but we're getting closer. You know, and this offseason is an important offseason. You know, I felt we would, you know, when we took this thing over, I felt like year two we could push for a playoff spot. We did that. I wasn't expecting the, the, and I don't think any of us were expecting us to fall back, but we did. And I think if we use it the right way constructively and we really look at why, the whys of, you know, how we ended up at 9-8 and eight and one game out of the we're going to be a better organization for it, and I look forward to being a part of that. Trent Balky, the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was great stuff. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Frank. Back in a moment. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 1010XL takes you to the NFL Scouting Combine. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show, live from Indy. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. We're live in Indianapolis. We're talking football, but there will be a respite from the football just for a moment. Hayes Carline, who hails from the bowl school because I've got an announcement. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Say wow, really again. An announcement. Wow, really? Thank you. Very, you know what? You did it well. You did it just as well with your mic on as you did with your mic off. I do have an announcement to make. In a Grapefruit League spring training game today, the Pirates beat the Braves 13-4. to I'm counting it as a regular season game. Wow. Just, just so you as know, you should. I'm counting it as a regular season game. You could make the point that the game was in Bradenton, <laughs> meaning the Pirates played the regulars and the Braves played some guys that probably won't even make single A. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You know who I saw? They're the wearing that logo. You know who I saw in the lineup? Yeah. Murphy. <laughs> Chipper. Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> Eddie Matthews. <laughs> Bob Horner. Yeah. That's what I saw in the lineup. 13-4 final. So will you go watch a replay of the game? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you laugh. If I was home, yes, I would. I would. I'm not home, so I probably will not watch that one. But, uh, but yes, I will. Um, uh, we talked about it. Uh, Great job with uh, Trent Ball. Thank you. And I thought Trent was very good. I thought he was open, maybe as open as I've heard him, as transparent as I've heard him. And I like what he said the, at the end. I, he said, listen, I get it. He said, it's hard being a fan. I said, Trent, I know it's hard being a GM. He said, look, it's hard being a fan. You can't control it. And when the team disappoints you, I get it when they lash out at me or lash out at it. He said, I understand, and I wouldn't want them not to be that way. I thought it was – I thought it, I thought that was good. I thought and he's good in this, in this setting, so, so I appreciate Trent doing that. I want to ask you about D'Amico Ryan and other people from whom you heard today, but let's, let's put a, a – we're, we're going to hear these I – think, I think Trent and Doug are important. So for the people that get off work at 5, I want you to hear those too, so you're going to hear them again. Because uh, I think people need to hear those interviews. I think people driving, if you pop in your car at 5.05, you just got off work, I think you need to hear those. That's why we're here. So, but, but, but I want to get to some other teams. But before we do, you're quick overall now from 10,000 feet of everything you heard Trent say, both with me and at the podium. Yeah, I, I think with Trent, it's, uh, that, you know, I, I think it's, it's establishing that identity that he talked about, you know, a, f- a few weeks ago, and, and it seems like, you know that identity on, on the offensive side is is probably going to be geared around uh, uh, certainly a, a a challenge at center, if not a replacement. Um, and then defensively, I, I think they've got something in Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, but the coverage needs to be stickier. And so, uh, again, I again I think the overview is 
they're not incredibly far off. It's just it's such a deep conference. That's the thing. Like if they were in the NFC, you'd look at the Jaguars and say, well, yeah, they have a great chance to you know make the tournament. It would be a surprise if they didn't. In the AFC, I mean, the the eighth best team in the AFC is going to be a really good team that's going to be home. Uh, and so I think uh, that's why I think it's so important for Trent Baalke to do the things that that they can that he can do to be as aggressive as possible. Whether that is uh, trading for a veteran that we don't see coming, uh, but uh, but I, I think the the tools are out there to to make it happen. And you know, it'll be exciting to see what becomes of this Jaguars organization moving forward. Yeah, I, I and again, this is such a such a critical critical year, such such an important year. Your window's open; it's not open all the time. I mean, if you're the Patriots and Brady and you're the Chiefs with Mahomes, maybe your window never closes. But for the other 30 teams, the window tends to close. It just does. And I, and I do. I, I think that, uh, uh, no, I, I think you're, you're, you're right. So, uh, so it's, it's going to be a fun year. I've said all along, I think it's going to be a fun year. You listened in on some other guys. D'Amico Ryan was sort of a star today, wasn't he? Yeah, I thought uh, he was really impressive. Now, obviously, uh, there's a lot to like about what the direction of, of the Texans um, but it was interesting hearing him talk about, you know, they've got all this cap space. So there's this assumption that Houston's going to go on this massive spending spree. And, uh, you know, Ryan's was interesting. He said it's really, for us, it's more person over the player. Uh, he, he showed a little bit of free agent reluctance because I think he feels like what they have uh, is pretty special in terms of uh, the leadership that C.J. Stroud and, and Will Anderson were able to provide as rookies. And so, uh, so that that was kind of interesting, and just how he uh, conducts himself. It was just very impressive hearing D'Amico Ryan's talk for 15 minutes about the state of his team. Um, one of the funniest moments was so you remember the Eagles had the bodyguard that got yeah, into the Dom, con- big Dom, Dom, big Dom. I don't want any part of Dom. Right. Well, Dom was here today. And, Dom was uh, here. Yeah. In fact, he just walked by. Like, you about saw 20 Dom right now. Ago, watched, yeah. So did he beat anybody up? <laughs> <laughs> not not yet, when you I've, saw. Not not you, okay. I, and and Dom, hey, don't You're worry, Dom. Dom if if I had witnessed something, I would not rat Dom out. <laughs> Absolutely um, but, not. But uh, so uh, Howie Roseman's at the podium, and John Lynch is getting ready to to come to the podium right next to him, and Dom is hanging out by the podium that Lynch will be, uh, you know, <laughs> speaking from, and Roseman stops in, in mid-answer and says. Dom, are you guarding John Lynch now? And uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it was good. It was good stuff. And uh, um, you know, I think with Roseman, it was interesting. The Eagles obviously had arguably the collapse. Yeah, uh, ten you know, and one. The Jaguars they had started a collapse, the season but, ten and one. Yeah, and they were billed as a team that could win the Super Bowl. Right. Which you know they had just gotten there. So uh, it, it was interesting listening to Howie Roseman talk about uh, we need to be. Uh, he, he he his theme was. I think our coaches in our organization has been a little too uncomfortable with the belief in young players because they haven't done it. They haven't shown us they can do it. And there's been some trepidation about playing them. And we've got to get over that. If we're bringing them in, they're here for a reason. And uh, so that was interesting. Listen to him. Lynch was great. Lynch, Lynch was asked a question about uh, body language. You know, do you, do you read too much about body language in these meetings? And, he said, you really have to be careful with that. He, and he even related it back to a experience from his playing days uh, as a young safety in the league going on to a Hall of Fame career. He said, early in my career, uh, after a play was over, I would always look down at the ground. And people perceive that 
is bad body language. I was down on myself, but it was just it was how I got focused on the next play. But luckily, he said somebody did bring it to my attention, and I corrected it. Uh, and so he's like, you have to be a, a little wary about you know reading too much into body language with with these guys. I mean, it's it is a long day. It's a long job interview. All these days here for these players is incredibly grinding. So you have to consider that, but you also have to weigh the fact that but that's sort of the life in the nfl it is a marathon it is there is a lot that goes into every day in this business and you are looking for people that have that endurance um in terms of themes jim harbaugh carried the day obviously trent balky was asked about him a lot which i'm sure trent was thrilled about um but uh you know but but jim harbaugh being back in the nfl uh was was a Every coach and GM was getting asked about their thoughts about that, about Michigan's team. Obviously, they have a record amount of uh, combine invitees with 18. And then uh, a couple interesting things. The trade deadline is a topic of conversation here today about moving it back. Cleveland is uh, is sponsoring it. The league is going to – the competition committee is going to consider it. I think it should be moved back. It's week eight right now. I think that's too soon in a 17 17- – game schedule they've never altered it with adding the game i do think week 10 would make more sense i do too and establish more of who really is a seller and who really is a buyer and and now it's so early it's it's hard to feel like you're totally out of it uh which is obviously what's going to lead to a spicy deadline is teams that are underachieving let's say yeah let's go ahead and get rid yeah, of this you guy. would you would enhance the volume of activity yeah. for sure so i'd like to see that get some traction here and and a big theme is and the and the GMs and are kind of sidestepping this a little bit, but what you hear a lot in the in the hallways is uh, the last two rounds of this draft are an utter wasteland because of NIL because the underclassmen we had such a low amount of underclassmen declare for this draft. You think we can get to a five round draft? What's that? You think we could? We I, do? No, I don't think. I think it's just viewed as a this year issue. Okay. Um, so I, so I don't, it's not a trend. Thing. I don't know that it'll be the trend uh, moving forward, but uh, but the belief is 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 more people. There there is some good depth at positions, but you do not want to be looking in the sixth seventh round. There is uh, again usually you have about 160 to 200 underclassmen declare for the draft. This year you had about 60, just under. So you're talking about almost two full rounds of, of players that normally would be in this draft right. that are not. Uh, and so, um, yeah, so that's sort of interesting. And Obviously, uh, you know, those late-round picks are all, always low probability, but maybe even more so this year. So, you know, you're probably not going to have a lot of luck if you're trying to turn a couple six-rounders into a fifth-rounder. It's, it's probably going to be a difficult proposition. This I think year. you can make the argument that they're moving forward, listen, baseball went from 50 to 40 to 20. It's the best thing they ever did. I mean, now, now, I mean, it's tighter, it's cleaner. I think, and listen, I love the draft. Mm-hmm. But by the time they get to the sixth and seventh round, they're just names. Right. Their names usually don't make the team. So why not do a five-round draft? You know, and then you still have as many players go to the league. They'd just be free agents. I can tell you this, knowing a lot of college players that have gone through this, once you get past the, the fifth round, they don't want to be drafted. Yeah. They'd rather pick their team. Once you you drafted, you can't pick your team. You're not making any money anyway. Right. So uh, interesting stuff. So, uh, but it, it, a lot a lot of trends going on here. Uh, Mark Mike Keith is going to join me in a minute to talk Titans tomorrow. Mark Vandermeer will be by the play-by-play voice of the uh, Texans. It'll be interesting to see how they the team manages being all the rage. 
The Jags were all the rage last year, managed it well at the front of the season, not so well down the stretch. I'll be interested to see how the how the Texans team manages not just the first-place schedule, but certainly that's part of it, sure. but all the acclaim. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you, we do see it in all walks of sports, that sophomore slump. And Houston, two of their three best players, Tunzel's a great player, the left tackle, uh, but you can certainly make a case that two of their three best players were rookies this season, certainly C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. So, I, you know, will there be any sophomore slump with Stroud and Anderson? If that happens with yeah. the first-place schedule, it's going to be awfully difficult for Houston to repeat. But they do have a ton of cap space. Uh, the, the, you know, they've got some pretty good draft ammo. So they've got a lot of assets to strengthen their team. I hope they sign a running back to big free agent money because I just don't think that – you know, I, I I just think that that's not something that, that is going to overly change the direction right. of their club. So by all means, sign Saquon Barkley, Houston, um, or whoever. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Houston is because of the schedule, uh, because their best players are still so young. Uh, it, it it will be interesting because I guarantee you, every defensive coordinator uh, and every head coach in the AFC South, outside of Houston. They're spending the majority of this offseason on studying ways to get to Stroud. You better believe it. Mark Vandermeer from the uh, Texans, the play-by-play voice, will join us tomorrow. But after this timeout, Mike Keith is the play-by-play voice of the Tennessee Titans. He'll talk Titans football with me after this. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Welcome back to the Combine here, Frank Frangie, along with the terrific play-by-play voice of the Titans, my buddy Mike Keith. How are you? I'm good. It's you look great good. You got the beard. You're all you're casual. Well, I like it. I'm winterized. Yeah. Even though uh, at home, outside of about a week, it hasn't felt like winter. Right. So uh, right. it's been pretty nice. Yeah. Good to see you. Good um, to see you too. Love being here with everybody, and uh, it's it's good to get back together and. Uh, we're turning the page yeah. to 2024, and we're doing ball again. So yeah, yeah, and we'll do our we'll do our thing tomorrow morning. You still kind of put that together, Vandermeer and Matt, and you and me talking uh, all all the guys in the division. That'll be kind of fun. Won't yeah, it? I think it's going to be hard to live with Vandermeer after Houston. It's <laughs> no the division. It's hard to live with him anyway. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to get it from him about <laughs> them winning the division and beating us twice, and the fact that we wore the Oilers uniforms against them, and I. I mean, I think it's You just, will hear it, yeah. yeah I, th- I think it's going to be bad. I really do. Hey, a lot of changes in Nashville. A lot of changes. Uh, I, I, you and I have had to talk enough times. I was really surprised by the Vrabel thing because I'm a big fan of Mike Vrabel. I, I really you should am. be. I think he's a really good football coach. Were you surprised? Yeah, I was surprised initially um, because I, it didn't seem to be in the ether anywhere. Yeah. And I think that's what took Titans fans by surprise, Frank, is I, I – Nobody was reporting that that was really even possible. As a matter of fact, the opposite had been reported. Yeah. And, you know, when you're in a building, I mean, listen, I I know for sure I'm not the owner, I'm not the coach, I'm not the GM, I'm just the broadcaster. And I try to just stay in that lane. I do work for the team and I do work in the building, but 
You know, when I was told, I was like, really? Yeah. You know, um, so from that point, it, it became clear as to why. Uh, the, the owner had made a change with our general manager in December of 2022, and she saw our total structure taking a very different turn from what football teams do. Usually you have the GMs in charge or the head coaches in charge, That's and right. the GM sort of works for the head coach. It's one of the two. In recent years, there have been some teams that have sort of developed almost the baseball mentality where the head coach and the GM, big deal, but there are also analytics people involved, and there are deeper people in personnel involved than just the GM, and it becomes kind of a board, and she wanted that. And so the GM she hired in January of 2023, Rand Carthon, he came in and hired two assistant general managers. And so it was clear what was going to happen there. Well, Mike's Mike. I mean, Mike's big, and you, you know. I get it. And, and he's got a big personality. He had only done it the other way. So there were some of us that were a little nervous about how that was going to work. Um. But didn't think about it a lot, Frank. I mean, you're like, okay, this is going to be yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. And then um, it just became obvious she did not care for how it was all flowing. Um, I think, you know, the collaboration part of it was something she didn't feel like was there enough. The fact that we had won just six of our last 24 games didn't help anybody. And she decided that fundamentally she wanted to make a change. And so she's gone out and she's gotten a head coach that is very different from what Mike Vrabel is like. He's really bright. And not that Mike Vrabel's not bright. No, I, I, I said that wrong. Um, he, Brian Callahan is a much more low-key person. Right. Very friendly, very personable, offensive mind, built an unbelievable staff already. I mean, it's kind of stunning. And then, you know, it's just, it's just different from Mike. Yeah. And so – we had a few days in the building where you're like, oh, man, you know, Mike. And then by the time you turn the page to the next Monday, you're like, okay, so who are we going to get? Right. Because we all need jobs. Right. I mean, we've got yeah, yeah. to keep going. And then you get to the next week when they hire him, and you're like, yeah, we really, we really like this guy. So it, it, my feeling is it, Mike Vrabel will land somewhere next year. No question. I'm glad – that he's going to take this year off from trying to be a head coach because I think everything that went down, down the stretch in terms of losing, it beat on him. When I spoke to him after the last game on the air, he didn't sound as excited as he sounded relieved. And I was worried about him not sleeping. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I just, I worried yeah. about him because he put so much into it. Right. He'll, he'll be okay. And he'll go somewhere and be successful. But I think Brian Callahan finds a house that because of Will Levis and because yeah. of Jeffrey Simmons and a few other guys, this doesn't have to go down to the studs. Yeah, and I, and I would agree with that. Um, to that end, there is newness. Ryan Tannehill, I don't think will be on the team. Is Derrick Henry played his last game in, in Nashville? To be determined. And I think that's... That's probably going to end up being a mutual decision, whatever it ends up being. Right. Derek has certainly approached it like if he's done, he has said his goodbyes. Right. 
And that's okay. The Titans are in a position. You know, here's the funny thing. So the salary cap is 30 years old. The first team that got salary capped punished desperately was the Houston Oilers. Okay. So they had been to the playoffs seven straight years, and they had not prepared for the advent of the salary cap. And when the salary cap came into being, they had to take all those Warren Moon teams and blow them up. Yeah, right. So for 30 years, we as an organization have been behind the cap, Frank. Yeah, yeah. For the first time now, we're not. First time ever. Yeah. We've had some room some years and been okay, but right now we have the opportunity for the first time since there's a salary cap to do a total reboot as to how it looks. Kind of like the Texans just did. Right. Just like they they just did. Right. And we're going to be in a position where I think we're going to make some decisions for 2024 because I think we can be very competitive in 2024. But a lot of them are longer-term decisions. And and like Will Levis, for example. So Will Levis costs us nothing right now. And if he ends up being what we hope, that's a miracle. You like him too, don't you? Oh, yeah. First time you and I talked about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a blessing, though, because he didn't cost you anything in year two. Right. He didn't cost you anything in year three. Now, in year four, you got to pay. Second-round pick, you got to pay. Well, you've got time to plan all that, Frank. You can say, we're going to plan this whole thing to where we will have plenty of room to do what we need to do with Will Levis and not have to take the team apart. If done right, if they pick the right players and this is the right coach, and they signed the right free agents. This team could be pretty good for a while. So I think a lot the Derrick Henry decision is not all about 2024 for the Titans. Right, right. And he, that's a long answer to your question. But I think, Frank, what it is, it's more complicated than what than just do you want it back. Listen, he can still play. He can, no he can really still play. Second in the lead in rushing. Yeah. He was second. He I mean, can, people can, lose sight of that. He can still play. A- ask our guys if he can still play. Well, we, I mean, we were there. Like, we were there in January. If, right? if he's lost anything, it ain't much. Yeah, I, yeah. it's not a whole lot. So, I, I, and he takes such good care of himself. I could see him playing to thirty-five. Yeah. But do you pay a running back? Philosophically, what? do you pay a running? Well, back? nobody is. Nobody's. They're, they're not getting tagged. They're well, not it's funny. Paid. I was on with the Colts guys. They are. So yeah. I had to kind of. Yeah, right. I had to, <laughs> but I had to, I had to but, walk that back. But uh, yeah. Final thing. Um, I would think in my now eleven years of doing this, you far more than that. I would think the division collectively, maybe as healthy as it's been. It's never been this good. It, it hasn't, has it? This you've is had, the best it's been. You've had two teams, and then who were really good, you've had uh, – and this is on average. Some years yeah. it's just been one team. Right. But, but you've had two teams that are really good. You've had one team that was maybe okay. Right. And then one team that was utterly lousy. Right. None of these four teams will be utterly lousy in 2024. Agreed. Not one of them. Yeah. And we were last place last year, but this will be a better football team in 2024 because – Quite frankly, we'll have better football players. We weren't very good. Knew going in that if everything held together, we could go 10 and 7. I mean, that would have been everything. Right, right. And then Tannehill doesn't play very well, and then he gets hurt, and other things happen, and the offensive line is historically bad, and all these things go down. 
And that's what was killing Mike Vrabel down the stretch, Frank, is he didn't have a chance to win in a lot of situations. This roster will be much better. Mike Keith, the play-by-play voice of the Titans. That was fun, and I can't wait for the four of us to get together tomorrow. It'll be fun. Mike, thanks, buddy. Thank you, Frank. Back in a moment, 1010 is 92.5 FM. Let's keep it here for a second. Just uh, visited with my friend Mike Keith. What do you think of the Titans? They seem to think they know, they know there's a rebuild of sorts. You could hear Mike say that in his voice, uh, Hayes. But I don't think they think it's a desperate rebuild. What do you think? They should be inspired by Houston and in, in how the Texans were able to shave off a couple of years of that rebuild and go straight to the top of the division. So we talked about Tennessee the last couple of years, one foot in rebuilding, one foot in trying to contend. You can't run a club that way. Uh, you're just going to perpetually underachieve. You're going to perpetually miss the tournament. So it seems like they're now fully embracing the the minor rebuild that they they need to take on. I can't imagine Derrick Henry plays there next year. Uh, you know, I I I'm really intrigued to see uh, where his uh, his next stop is. But yeah, I mean, look, Will Levis did show some signs, and they've got to get him weapons. So I uh, they could if they have the right kind of off season and they've got a lot of cap, they certainly could make a big push to you know getting back to a respectable level. We'll take a break. When we come back, I want you to hear Doug Peterson. He joined me in the first hour of the program. That was two hours ago. Those that didn't hear it have a chance to right now. Doug Peterson, uh, a one-on-one interview with the Jaguars head coach. That's after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Hodges Mazda Combine Coverage is brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. All right, welcome back to the program. Glad you're with us. Frank Franzi along with the coach, Doug Peterson, who joins us now at the NFL Combine. How are you, man? I'm good, Frank. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good, it's yeah, all good. You're making the rounds. You have the podium here and there, and you're used to it by now. This is old hat to you now, right? Uh, this is old hat. <clears throat> this is old hat, but it's uh, it's always good. You know, you get to see everybody around the league and, and uh, kind of catch up and, and, and talk about the season and, and uh, kind of the future of our sport and, and where we're headed. Yeah, there's a lot of trend questions, aren't there? It's yeah. not just about your team. It's about where everything's going, the college versus the pro. I heard you talking about that a little. Yeah. That's, that's kind of yeah. where everybody is. Um, let's talk a little bit about your team. Uh, man, you're, you're close. The end of the season wasn't what you wanted, but I still feel like it's a good roster and you're close. Do you feel that way? I do. Um, I really do. And uh gosh you know we've had a lot of time here to think about you know what went wrong or you know um the decisions i made whatever it might be and and i think i think we all had a hand in it you know um but but i do feel like the pieces are there i I, our quarterback we got the right quarterback to lead us into the future um you know and 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 quite honestly i i think we got the right nucleus of guys We've just got to continue to push. We've got to continue to, to finish. We've got to continue to l- learn how to win. And, and win, you know, when we were 8-3, and three, things were going really well. But that's not the time to, to rest on our laurels. That's not the time to rest on what we've done. It's now the time to push and continue to push and to grow and, and, and learn and, and uh, still be aggressive and attack and all those things. And, and that's still a work in progress, I think, with our guys. Doug, how am I? I'm going to sound like I'm making an excuse for you, and that's what someone's going to accuse me of. I don't care, but it's not an honest question. You were eight and three, 
on your way to a first possession touchdown when Christian went down. And I think he's a really good player. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good – how much did those injuries – not just that one. You, you played eight games without Cam Robinson. Zay, I don't think, was ever healthy. I, 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 uh, Devon was never healthy. How much did that affect your season? Those are our best players. Yeah. Those are our best guys. And when they're not on the field, it's going to affect you. Um, you know, and say what you want around the league. A lot of guys, a lot of teams played with backup quarterbacks and, and backup offensive linemen. But for us specifically, those were our best players. And, you know, it, it affected us. It affected us in, in many ways because, your, to your point, Zay was never healthy uh, the entire season, right? And Christian got hurt in the Cincinnati game. I feel like we're going down to your point. We're going to score an, an, an opening possession touchdown right there and still had a chance to win that football game late. Um, Devon Hamilton missed half the season. Cam, ne- never himself. You know, never. Cam miss, misses half, misses eight games, you know, and and uh, the inconsistency we had, the left side of our offensive line. I, I just think all of that, all of that affects you as a team. Um, it weighs on you as a team, and and you don't want to make the excuse, um, but but it's something that that we have to learn from and and just understand that injury is going to happen next man up mentality and we got to make sure the next guy is coached just as hard just as well as that starter is trevor's one of the guys that played he had the knee the ankle the shoulder he had the concussion uh, so i got a little chuckle over there when someone said you have the right quarterback i'm thinking yeah he's probably got the right quarterback but but i chuckled a little sorry but the uh um how did he play and how much did all that affect him I think up until the injuries, he was playing playing really well. I do think the injuries affected him, and he may not tell you that. You right. know, the prideful guy in Trevor, and I'd probably say the same thing. Oh, it didn't bother me, but I, I'd have to say that it did bother him because he missed practice time. And regardless of who it is, when you miss practice time during the week, one day is fine, but if you miss a couple of days and then expect to play at a high level on Sunday, it's hard. It's hard, and and um, so I think I think it did affect him. You know. Um, and all things that, that, listen, you know, we got to make sure that he stays healthy, right? Yeah. Um, we got to make sure that he doesn't put the ball in harm's way. Um, he, he Is he going to miss a practice from time to time? Yes. But, but you know, making sure that, that we continue as a staff to continue to, hey, if, if like the CJ, you know, Bethard came in and played in the Carolina game, right. played well, uh, we win that football game. If it's a matter of, doing that for a game or two until your quarterback gets healthy you do that but listen these are our best players as we said and and when they miss practice time and miss games it, it's going to affect your team you made a point over there i didn't think about it but counting the year counting the time that ezra cleveland was here that group played together one time i, I didn't i didn't think about last that game you, of the year i didn't think about it till you said it but but counting the time if you go if you went cam ezra luke uh, Sheriff and um, Anton. There's only one time. I didn't. I didn't think about that. So they one never. Time. There's continuity issues, aren't there? Yes. When that happens. Yeah. There's continuity, and, and and that's what I'm saying. And Ezra was kind of beat up at the time yeah, too. Yeah. You know, Walker was beat up at the time, and, and and Cam was coming off an injury, and you know, um, really, Luke, Brandon, and Anton were the yeah, were the yeah. three most healthy guys. So, you know, it's 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 all part of it. Um, you know. Coaches, we got to coach better. Uh, we got to simplify things and make sure that our players are, are, are getting the most out of, of what we're asking them to do. Doug, how did Luke play at center? I, did, did he regress at all in your mind? How did he play? I thought he played okay. Um, 
you know, I thought I thought that he um, there was there was moments in there where uh, I think his confidence wavered a little bit, and and I think that just came from outside influences. The media was on him, you know, national, local, the whole thing, and, and that did affect him a little bit that way. Um, we didn't help him much, you know, uh, or. or much at all with some of the scheme stuff asking him to do too much you know as a young player those are on those run us as coaches and so all of that took a toll i think on luke um as the season went on you know and 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 he's played i believe he's played every game yeah all but three snaps i think in two years so he's played a ton of football and and uh we still feel um very confident in luke that we can get it done and he can get it done and uh, looking forward to this offseason with him. Doug Peterson, this is the Jaguar football coach. Let's talk defense. You made wholesale changes on your defensive staff, and you made them swiftly. At what point did you realize or at least start thinking that I may have to change things up over there? I mean, I, you know, it, it crosses your mind later in the season, a couple weeks left, okay. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like things weren't going in the right direction, okay. you know, there. And, and – um, and, and, listen, I'm not putting all the blame on that side of the ball either because the offense has enough blame of, of its own, right? And, and um, you know, we all have, we're all in this together. So, um, but thinking about it, you know, it was, it was later in the season and, and just felt like that, you know, um, was going to make a change, you know, at the end of the year and, and, and really, um, you know, stir things up, shake it up a little bit and, and, and try to help us, uh, you know, get back to winning. Tell me about Ryan Nielsen. Why is he the right guy? I love I love the press conference. I mean, he seems like a football coach, man. But why is he the right guy? He's a ball coach, and and I just love I love the. He's a former defensive lineman. He, you know, he had a cup of coffee in the National Football League a little bit, and and um, but he's, he's coached some great players. Whether he was in New Orleans, obviously in Atlanta, um, he he coaches he coaches defense like he was coached, you know. And it's a very it's a very simplistic yet aggressive approach. Um, attention to detail, the way he practices, um, where he puts his players, the, 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 the scheme fits for guys, uh, how he talks about players, what he needs on defense from a, from a personnel standpoint. I just All of that makes him, um, for me right now, makes, makes him the right fit. Doug, you talked and Trent both talked about a scheme change. Now, look, Nichols out there 70% of the time. Yeah. There's four guys down and a bunch of defensive backs. I know I've... But people want to talk about scheme change, and is there going to be is it is it going to be more of a four, a four man front now? Where are you headed? I mean, you're going to see more of it. And, and to your point, I mean, it's it's you're spending 75, almost 80 percent in, in nickel defense, which is a four down four down line anyway. Yeah. You know, and and um, you know, with with the opportunity to have Josh and Trayvon on the edges, and then you continue to get Roy and Devon, you know, in the middle, and you can play that four down front. We'll still from time to time be a be a 34 base defense. You know, uh, and have some guys stand up on the edge, things like that. But, you know, primarily it's where you spend all your time, yeah. and and it's going to be a nickel defense. And uh, uh, that's why I think when you say scheme change, it's not maybe the scheme as much as it is the look of the defense and who's actually on the field. Doug, when you look at your roster, I'm going to ask this two ways. Let me start with your roster. Obviously, you and Frank can't show your hands who you sign and draft, and I know that. But where do you see areas where you need to improve the roster? What, what jumps off the page for you without getting too specific there? Well, I mean, you're always looking to improve every position, yeah. honestly. Um, you know, you, you can never have enough big bodies 
So offense and defensive line, right, yeah. is, is always a, a must. I mean, yeah. you look around the league and, you know, just look at our team and the amount of injuries and got to have guys to fill in and step in. And we were actually blessed to have a guy like Walker Little and Tyler Shatley and guys like that, that right. could, who could who could play and step in and, and, and do well. Um, but the emphasis there is just having the big bodies. You know, we're a passing league, right? So secondary guys, you, you got to yeah. have corners. you got to have five corners, six corners. Yep. If you're going to play nickel and dime, you know, you got to have the ability to do that and, and, and mix these guys around. Um, even look at the receiver position. You know, I mean, you're, you're going to go into a game with five guys. One of them's going to be a Jamal Agnew type, right, with a, a return specialist. And, you know, so you're, it's, it's hard to put your finger on yeah. one spot when you're kind of looking at the whole picture, the whole pie. Um, and, and ultimately, through this whole process here, uh, begins kind of that journey as to, to you know, who you're going to select, what positions you're going to go after, and then how your team's going to look heading into the season in September. The other part of the question, apart from personnel, you and I have had this talk a thousand times online and offline. You inherited a dysfunctional mess. You won't ever say it, but I'll say it. I was here. You did. And you built the culture, and it was magnificent. What's the next step? Because I think you got a good culture, but like you said, you got to finish games. You got to. So, so what's what's the next step emotionally with these guys? I, I think that's it, Frank. I think I, we got to learn to finish. Yeah. We've got to learn to finish, learn to win. And you know, it's okay to be eight and three, but it's also okay to be thirteen and four at the end of the season or whatever it might be. So, being able to push, and that's all part of finish. You know, execution, taking care of the football, you know, taking care of your bodies. All that's part of it. Um, and that's kind of, to me, for me, kind of the next step with our football team. We've done this now for two years. We've seen the high, and we've felt the low, even though we've had two winning seasons back-to-back. But now we've got to be more consistent in our finish, our approach, and, 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 and win, win more games. Because we're, we're capable of doing that. Yeah. We have yeah. the type of players to do that. It feels that way. It feels like you have a good roster. Two more things. The two players everyone's talking about are Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley. Obviously, that's the personnel department. You've said that, but they're so important, I would think, to you. Tell me about those. Let's start with Josh. I can't imagine you want to move forward without Josh Allen. Got to have Josh Allen. Got to have him. And, and, you know, he knows that. Obviously, you know, Trent, they're working on it and trying to trying to get some stuff done and, and all of that, and that's that's for them to, to talk about. But selfishly, I want Josh Allen on our roster. He makes us better. Um, he had a heck of a year last year, 17 and a half sacks, combined with Trayvon's 10. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing 30 sacks with two guys, and, and that impacts your team. That, 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 changes, that changes games when you get players like that. And, and, and so, yes, um, Josh, Josh is a big part of, of, you know, hopefully of us moving forward. Um, and selfishly, I'd, I want to see him back. And Calvin Ridley, if you could, I would think. You, you talked about keeping everyone together if you can, right? Yeah, if you can. I mean, that's the, that's the nature of the game. I mean, you only got so many dollars to spread yeah. around. We do know the cap went up this year, which is, which is good. And, and all of that, but Calvin's another one that you know. Let's see what he does in year two with Trevor. Let's see, let's see what he does with the offense. You know, second time around, and and how he how he's grown uh, as a receiver, and and uh, how he can work with with Trevor. You know, going into the second year um, together. So, would love to have him. Uh, I think he makes us better. You know, at the skill position, he gives us an element of speed. You know, on the outside, and and you know, when you when you're the most pressed receiver one of the most pressed receivers in the national football league that should tell you something yeah, it does. right there so 
that's the type of guy we want, and, and he makes us better as well. Final question. What's the next step for Trevor? I ask you that every year. I, I, I'm a big Trevor guy, and I think he played through all those injuries. You and I have had a lot of these talks, but what's the next step for Trevor Lawrence? Well, you know, learn from last year. Learn from last year. Be a, be a, you know, be a bulldog, man. Just put your head down and go to work this year and, and learn, learn from the mistakes, learn from the good. Uh, you know, take all of that and, and use it for, um, you know, kind of fuel his emotion, right, and, and, and lead the team like we all know uh, he can lead. And, and then just elevate his game. You know, some of the throws he made during the course of the season, well, they got to be week in and week out, right? They, they can't be this week and maybe not next week, but week in, week out. And we have to, as a staff too, we got to challenge him that way, you know, and put him in situations to do that. And, um, you know, for us, I think that's the next step. But that's the next step, I think, too, for the entire team, not just with Trevor, but with the entire team, is to have that mindset, have that aggressiveness, that listen, you know, um, it's kind of win at all costs, and whatever we got to do, we're going to figure it out, and we're going to win this football game. Much like in 22, you know, where we, we learned how to do that, now let's let's do it week in and week out, have that mindset and the mentality. Doug Peterson, Jaguar coach, I know you're busy. Thanks for stopping by, man. I yep. appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Frank. All right, back in a moment on 1010XL. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 1010XL takes you to the NFL Scouting Combine. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show, live from Indy. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida. Carry on my It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline here. Mia will rejoin us in about 15 minutes as we wrap the program in a bit. I want you to hear from Trent Balky, though, people that didn't hear that interview earlier uh, in the day. Um, first of all, some thoughts on what Doug had to say to me. Um, I think uh, he's, he's confident where they are. I think they learned from last year. Uh, he, made, he was very upfront about it. He, he said, yeah, we had some injuries. I'm, and, I, and I teed him up for the fact that, Doug, injuries hurt your team. He said, it definitely affected our team. Uh, it affected our team because it was our best players. He said, but doesn't matter. you got to move forward now. And, uh, and they gotta, he said something really interesting, Hayes. He said, 8-3 is good, but it's okay to be 13-4 and four too. Point being, it's okay to keep it going. Yeah, and, and again, I, I think the injuries are, are worth mentioning. Doug really has leaned on that, I'd say, today. Uh, in in explaining things, and I think the defensive scheme to hear Doug talk about it. I think it's going to be exciting to see what Ryan Nielsen brings. Uh, Doug talked about the need for corners as well, so you know that really seems to be a a, a thing where there's such alignment uh, between Trent Balky, Doug Peterson, Ryan Nielsen over uh, the need for improvement at corner. So uh, yeah, I mean again, there's obviously talent on this roster. If they can keep Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley, and it looks like they've got a good window to do that, then, yeah, they are certainly in the mix to be good in a very, very deep AFC race. The, uh, the questions surra- surrounding Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, and a whole lot more are issues on the table for the general manager. Trent Balky sat down with me earlier today. All right, welcome back to the Combine. Frank Frangie along with the general manager, Trent Balky, who just did his podium thing. How you doing? How are you? Good, Frank. That's like getting your tooth pulled without Novocaine <laughs> over there. But 
Doing good. You weren't anticipating all the Harbaugh questions, huh? No. no. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I was. Actually, <laughs> you kind of knew they were. Hey, um, tell me about the combine. Uh, you come every year. I come every year. I was telling you before you went on, it's crazy here. What do you gain? Watching players, talking to players, medical. I guess it's all of the above. But, I mean, what means the most to you when you come here? Well, that's changed over the years. You know, it's getting more and more restrictive uh, to access to players. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get short segments with guys. Uh, they're a lot more schooled up than they used to be, whether it's on the mental test, whether it's on the interviews themselves or the physical testing. It's There's just such a process to, that these guys go through now in preparation for the for this combine that years ago they didn't. They came in, they were... They were kind of raw, right? Right. You know, now they're they're schooled in every aspect of it. So I think you get a little bit less than you used to, or quite a bit less than you used to get. But it's there's still value. Yeah, they're prepared. I get that. I get that. Now let's talk about your football team a little bit. You said something in your postseason presser in Jacksonville that really stood out to me: toughness, toughness in the trenches. That that was an area. It's the first thing you identified. Yeah. Tell me about that. How, do you fix that with new players? Do you fix that with players getting older? To talk about that, because I, th- I agree with you. I thought that was kind of the thing. Well, there's a, there, you know, we talked about when we first took over in this organization that we had to, you know, our our identity had to be, you know, we wanted tough-minded, physical, uh, aggressive, you know, football players, smart football players, disciplined guys, and that hasn't changed. And, and we've got a good group of guys. Uh, we didn't play up to our standards. Uh, you know, we've talked about that. Coaches openly address that. And there's things that we've identified that we need to fix. Uh, you know, it's so we're going to continue to do that. And we're going to look at all aspects of, of it, play, each, each uh, player specifically, uh, what we're asking them to do, uh, the whole nine yards. You know, we've had some great discussions, uh, the personnel staff and the coaching staff over the last couple of weeks, just on what exactly that looks like. You know, and we, we know we need to add to the room. We know we need to get more competitive in there. Uh, but we, there's other things we can do to help the process as well. When you – you made another comment that stood out. When it's one thing to get to being competitive, the harder step is getting competitive to being a championship team. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But, but, but that's the hard one. And you have a good team, right? So when you're close and you're in your window – do you, do you sign more free agents? Do you try and create more cap room? Does it, is, it, is it that black and white? What do you do? Well, I think you got to look at everything. You know, we were 8-3, and three, and, and one game away from being number one in the AFC for seeding purposes, and then we kind of lost it. You know, we went five and we lost five of our last six games, and obviously we finished one game out of the playoffs. Huge disappointment, and when you go through with something like that, you, you You'd be making a huge mistake to be, jump to any conclusions too quickly. Yeah. You got to let it process. You got to you got to sit back and say, okay, why? It's never one thing. There, there, it's a multitude of things, and you got to assess each level of, of what that what that looks like. You know, and, and coach and I and, and the staffs have had some great conversations. Like I said, in terms of how are we going to address that and what it's going to look like, and for us to share that plan at this stage doesn't do us any good. But we we know what we're doing. We know what we need to do, at least in our minds. And now we just got to go execute the plan. Let me ask you about some specifics. Obviously, you can't negotiate in the media and let and show your hand. I get that. But update me on at least how you feel about the Josh Allen thing. Everyone's asking the question. I know you're getting yeah. asked it all the time. But it's a big deal. It, it, how do you feel that thing's going? Well, it's ongoing. 
you know, anytime you're talking about the doing a deal with a marquee player, uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of factors involved. And, you know, we're to, I have ongoing discussions with Joel. In fact, I'm meeting with him, his agent, here in the next couple hours just to have another Great. chat. You know, and, and there's going to be back and forth like there is in every negotiation. And you're just trying to find a common ground. And if you can reach a common ground, my, my goal is, our goal as an organization is to reach a common ground. Is that likely in the next 24 hours for you? You know, I, I don't know. I don't think either side knows at this point. But we got to work together. we got to get to the table. And that's the only way it's going to get done. The goal, I would think, for, all, for both sides, get it done before you have to involve the tag or anything else. Right? I mean, that's, it may not happen, but that, that's both sides' goal? Is that a safe guess? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're always trying to get things done sooner rather than later. Yeah. It helps us as we move forward in our planning, and our, you know, because it does affect the salary cap. But if it doesn't get done, it's it's not an end all either. Uh, we we're going to work diligently with them to try to get something done and, and hopefully get it done as qu- sooner rather than later. How do you feel, Trent, about Calvin Ridley and trying to keep him, if at all possible? Obviously, there's a lot. We all know that we all know the possibilities. The second, the third, we've all we've been through that. But how do you feel about where you are there? Well, we like Calvin, obviously, and and Calvin and I sat down in my office uh, two three days ago. Okay. He came in and we just had a heart to heart, you know, and, and love Calvin. You know, and, and he's so passionate about the game of football. And Trevor and, and him, are, we're starting to build a little bit of synergy as the season went on. And it's only going to get better as we move forward. So we're going to do what we can in that area as well. You've got a lot of good players that are under contract, but that are they cost a lot of money. <laughs> they do. Cam Robinson costs a lot of money. Rayshon costs money. They're good players. Uh, and you've been through this a thousand times. But how do you deal with that in your mind? You don't want to let go of a good player. you, you got to create the dollars, right? Take me through the process. Well, it's, it's tough because you, you, get, you get attached to these players as well. You know, and so you got to put the emotional side away because they give so much to the organization. You know, every one of these guys gives, gives everything they have to, to hopefully winning a championship. And there's sometimes when, you know, you can't please them all financially. It's impossible. You know, you got young guys coming in that eventually are going to need contracts like Trevor and Tyson and Andre and all these guys walk. You know, you got a group of guys that are ascending, and then you got a group that's that's there and making it. And you can't make them all happy financially. There's a cap, and the cap is real. Now, you can push some money and do some things, but at some point you got to make tough decisions. And I think that's where we're at with this offseason. There's going to be some tough decisions that have to be made. When does that happen? When, when do you, I mean, obviously we know the league year starts, but I mean, in your mind, is it now? Do you go right up to the league year starting as a GM? What's the timetable? You try to, if you are going to move on from a player, you try to be upfront and honest with them. And, okay. you know, you don't hold them to the, to the, barrel, the barrel of their head. Yeah. You know, you, you just can't do that. You got to be forth, forthright with them. Uh, and, and that's how we're going to operate. You know, we're going to, we've got some decisions that we're going to need to make. We're, we're talking through this week to, to see where things shake up with some of these discussions. Uh, but then we're going to have to make decisions. So it'll be within the next week or so we're going to have to th- – those plans will be unveiled to the public. Uh, you talked a little bit about after Ryan Nils got hired about a scheme change. And Doug said, listen, there may be a scheme change, but in this day and age it's not that dramatic. It'll look different, he said. Is there going to be a scheme change defensively? Did you want that? 
Well, I think what Coach said, I mean, so much of what we play in this world nowadays is, is four-man front, four-man surfaces yeah. and, and nickel coverage. Yeah, 70% nickel of the time, and dime, probably, you yeah. know, So 70 75% of the time you're in that anyway. So regardless of you build out of a 30 package, you know, from a personnel perspective yeah. or out of a 40, the bottom line is you're playing the same stuff 75% of the time, 70 75% of the time. So, you know, it's going to look a little bit different, but the the, the overriding uh, from a personnel perspective isn't going to change very much on what we're, type of players we're looking for. Offensively, how did you think Luke Fortner played? How did the interior of your line play? Are you still confident in a lot of that group? Yeah, there's there's confidence, but we got to get better. You know, and, and, you know, we all have to own what we have to own in this. You know, we didn't run the ball well enough. You know, and... and you know, like I said earlier, you're trying to make these rooms as competitive as possible. Luke started every every game since he's been a rookie. You know, so there's a lot of experience at that position that he has. There's things that he has to do better. There's things that all of us have to do better. And uh, we've been very honest and forthright with players, with ourselves, on what that looks like. You know, so again, it comes back to competition. How competitive can we make those rooms so that everybody has to take one step forward or two steps forward? Nobody's going to be allowed to stay stay the same. Status quo doesn't work because it wasn't good enough. We finished nine and eight. We were out of the playoffs. So something's got to give, and we got to get better. And we all know that. I thought Trayvon took a nice step. Did you think that? Tell me, what did you think? Yeah, I think Trayvon's progress, his development is what we expected it to be. You know, we knew what we were getting when we drafted him with the first pick overall two years ago. You know, he hadn't played a lot of football. He hadn't done a lot of the things that we were going to ask him to do at at the NFL level, especially on his feet, playing in space, setting edges from the two point. You know, he played a lot of four technique in in college. So there was going to be a developmental curve for him. And I think you saw it from year one to year two. I think you're going to see it even more from year two to year three. Is he a better player with his hand on the ground? I'm over. I just, I'm overly simplifying it, I suppose. But is he? Well, he's such a talented player. What he allows you to do is look for matchups. Yeah. Right. And I think you'll see that more. And again, I'm not the coach. I don't scheme. Yeah. But I think you're going to see him move around the, the, the formations a little more and uh, try to look for matchups a little bit more aggressively. But I don't know that. You know, I, I just envision that that's the direction we're headed with him. Final thing or two. It's hard, it's hard being a GM. It's hard. <laughs> you, you win, you're the greatest. You lose, same with the coach. You lose, everyone's mad at you. Well, it's hard being a fan. Yeah, it's you know, hard being it, a fan, isn't it? It is, because you don't have as much control yeah. as you want over the situation, and I understand that. You know, we've got a great fan base, Frank, and, and you know, I appreciate their passion. You know, so when they lash out at me for the for decisions that are made or, or the record, I get it, you know, and, and I wouldn't want it any other way. It's the, it's, the, it's the job we do, you know, we live with and the responsibility we bear. So I'm good with all that. I get it. I appreciate that, and I, and I do appreciate that. Final thing, where's your roster in terms of where it needs to be to be a championship team? How far? We're, we're not there. We're not where we need to be, but we're getting closer. You know, and this offseason is an important offseason. 
you know, I felt we would, you know, when we took this thing over, I felt like year two we could push for a playoff spot. We did that. I wasn't expecting the, the, and I don't think any of us were expecting us to fall back, but we did. And I think if we use it the right way constructively and we really look at why, the whys of, you know, how we ended up at 9-8 and eight and one game out of the we're going to be a better organization for it, and I look forward to being a part of that. Trent Balky, the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was great stuff. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Frank. Back in a moment. Stay with us. Yeah, so I thought, uh, I thought Trent was very transparent, as transparent as I've ever seen him. Yeah, and again, it's the the obstacles that they have to overcome this offseason. I think they have the ammunition to do it. Now, are all those decisions going to be right? Probably not. That's not how this league works. Uh, but, in I mean, in terms of you have the quarterback, you have great edge rush now. Uh, you, need a, you need to supplement it, but I, I would imagine – 28 of the other clubs would love to have Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker as their top two edge rushers. I, I think in, uh, in, in looking at corner, obviously, with the 17th pick, they're going to be able to fill that. The, the free agent market is starting to fill up. Each day it gets deeper as teams uh, cut guys for, for cap reasons. Guard, center, uh, it's, it's looking good. So I, I think the, I think the, the talent is is opening up well for the Jaguars. Now it's just can they go and secure the players that are going to make the difference. We'll take a break. Uh, Mia will rejoin us. Hayes, Mia, and I will wrap up day one for the Combine after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Live from Indy, Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. All right, final segment here before we say hello to Rick Blue, Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, Mia O'Brien. She does it all. Man, she's been grinding, man. Are you tired? No, because I, I just keep working. Like, no, that, that's the goal. Like, <laughs> at one point you said to me, like, hey, like, you know, if you you know want to do this, if you want to take yeah. a break, or, yeah. and I'm like, or like, do you want to do this at this yeah. time? And I was just like, no, like I, I literally just have to keep going. I didn't know if she was blowing me off or she just didn't like my advice. It's she's been, been grinding over there. I mean, I mean that computer has been going and oh, going yeah. and going. She hasn't left it for three hours. Right, so. right, yeah. I, that's what I literally I, I told all of our friends from Ryan O'Halloran up at the Buffalo News <laughs> to uh, my buddy Jake Asman with ESPN New York. I was like, I think today is the rough day. Number yeah. one because I've yeah. been up since 4 a.m. Right. I'm probably running on about four hours right. of sleep. Secondly, because, of course, today is the quote-unquote NFL day, as Ryan put it, because, yeah. you know, today is the day where you're hearing from GMs, you're hearing from right. coaches, whereas right. the next few days we're hearing from prospects. Good point. More than, today's the NFL day. Right. It's the prospects. It's a really good We're point. still going to provide great coverage on all, all right, of our right, video right. and social channels. It's but a different day. Yeah. 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 This is uh, – you, you hit the ground running on this trip, and then uh, – but, but Yeah. yeah but, but I will say, I mean, the, there's there'll be more people. Yeah. To you know, talking. It's just, uh, so, but yeah, it's just more players than. So, uh, but it's been a lot of fun. So we got our steak tonight at Harry and Izzy's, which is which is the same as St. Elmo's, same kitchen. Yep. It's right next door. At eight thirty, you and I will take our time getting there. 
Me, of course, has been invited to another party. Okay, did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. She's, she's going to try and join us after she goes to the party that's she was right. invited to. Well, that's the thing, know. though, is I just keep moving. If yeah. I keep moving, what? I mean, I, you know, I, I think like, I could say this because I'll be off. Well, I'm going to call into helmets and heels, and then I'll be off right. the clock networking. Yeah. At oh, the, so you're at, still not done. At the ladies yeah. of the combine event. Well, no, I was going to say I'm going to pop an espresso martini. Why didn't why? not pop something else for those of you who why thought I was going to say that? No, why? pop an espresso martini, and I'll be good. Why didn't we get invited to the ladies of the combine? It's unbelievable. I mean, it's discrimination. I'm not happy about yeah. it. Uh, give me a 60-second overview from day one. What, 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 what jumped off the page for you? Anything you saw today? Corner at 17. The offensive line is not as bad as you think it is. Yeah. And we are going to, we you know, put our money where our mouth is with the we are going to sign our own. It may not be. The own that you're thinking of, yeah. it may be retaining Cam Robinson services. It may be retaining Sean Jenkins. It may be re-signing Calvin Ridley and Ezra Cleveland, who were acquired just last year. Um, hopefully it entails a long-term extension with Josh Allen. But, you know, Trent Baalke stood on another podium not too long ago and said that needs to change in this town. The, the concept of just Band-Aid free agent signing after Band-Aid free agent signing, that's not going to work. We have to develop players, reward them, sign them to long-term extensions. They're going to yeah. sign people to extensions that were here previously. Uh, Maybe it's not the people you want, but. And the first thing you said is a good synopsis. Uh, you, 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 hit the, you hit the highlights. Uh, they sure do want a cornerback, whether it's here or somewhere. They want cornerbacks. Uh, they do want to sign their own. Uh, they don't think the offensive line, when healthy, is as dire as, as, as others do. You're right. That's a good synopsis. What about you? I think the big thing, all that's great. And uh, I, I think the Josh Allen, you know, the fact that yeah. Trent Baalke is meeting with his uh, reps today here in Indy, you know, we've, we talked about it leading in. You know, this is where 90% of the NFL offseason, it's going to happen over these next four days. And, you know, while the, the tag deadline is still a, a ways out, uh, it, it would be so great if they could get this done because if they can get it done, then you can move on to the next domino, which is Calvin Ridley, and you can get that worked out with the tag, uh, with the idea of, look, give us till June or July, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a deal. Uh, it just sets up the entire offseason. The Josh Allen thing should have been a priority from the first day, the day they got – done back from nashville the day after the collapse it should have been what do we have to do to get this deal done and uh you know they didn't take that path which is fine as long as they get to the end the right conclusion but they need to get there soon and i was encouraged that talks are happening in indy probably as we speak and boy you would love to you know by the by sunday you'd love to have that announcement coming from the club of josh allen has been re-signed to a five-year, hundred million, whatever it's going to end up being, because uh, I I just think it does wonders for your organization and it sets a tone of this is what's going to happen this off season. Because once you do that, you can move on to the other things like interior offensive line, certainly corner, interior defensive line. But you got to get the Josh Allen thing fixed. Other big note from today, I think Doug Peterson's calling plays in 2024. I don't think he will publicly ever say that. I, I, I think they could win the Super Bowl next year, and you will never know who the play caller is. Um, and that's the way he's yeah. going to want it to be. Yeah, and again, to, in fairness to Doug, that's not exactly what he said, but that's your read on That's your yes. translation of it. Yes. I am. Um, my take on the play calling, again, I had him for 15 minutes. I didn't get into the play calling because he was asked at a bunch at the podium. I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think he sees that 
who called – not saying it's not important, but I don't think he sees play calling last year as an issue. I don't he, – there's no sense of urgency to address it, at least publicly. There's no sense – so I, I, in my opinion – I think that's an issue. He, he never said this to me. Now I don't want to. He did say it to me. Yeah. So if you go, so for everybody listening, um, go to Tencent XL's YouTube channel. We had our local media scrum with Doug, right. which was myself, Hayes, and just right. a handful of other reporters. Right. So it was basically a one-on-one as well. Right. And I asked him, and he said we were a top ten passing offense with Press Taylor as our offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator and play caller last year. We also were a bottom three run offense with Press Taylor as our offensive coordinator. So something's got to change, but some things work yeah. good with him. Yeah, I, I think the best scenario yeah. would be, like, hire a guy that can be your sort of in-game right. advisor right. for, like, when to take a timeout, uh, clock management, when to challenge. Like, have that guy, right. which is, that's not even an, a staff – that's not an yeah. assistant coach. That's just – because it sounds like the perfect world would be Doug calls the plays, but maybe gets a little bit of help – from just the general game management, hire a, a, yeah. a retired coach that's that's done that job that can sit there and say, and, "Hey, Doug, I I would think about doing this here," because he he's pretty clear about is the play caller. He gets wrapped up a, in yeah. his opinion a little too much in the offense and not necessarily managing the game from the sideline like uh, like he would like it, you know, at the yeah. head coach level. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, but, but I I mean I agree that he's it seems. He's awfully tempted. It's just it's wrestling with the pros and cons yeah. of each decision because yeah. he does like the ability to manage the game as the head coach and not be involved in the play calling. But he's so good at it, right? Well, that that's it's right. hard to ignore. I think if you ask if you ask Doug privately to rank what went wrong last year, now he's not going to do that because anything, if he, whatever he puts first, he's throwing someone under the bus. But I mean, if he, pri- I'm private, privately, okay? Yeah. If you ask him, I won't reveal some things that yeah. I that. Well, I, we know number one would yeah. be Mike Caldwell. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. I was yeah. going to say, coach is not showing up <laughs> as practice. Yeah. Number one. Yeah, but, but not I, Mike Caldwell. But but I but I think you ask if you ask him to really rank what went wrong. I'm serious about this. If you ask him to rank what went wrong, he wouldn't have play calling anywhere near where the fan base and the media have it. Whether right or wrong, I think he would have it way down here. I think he'd have. Not blocking where we have it. I think he would have no running game where we have it. Physicality on the offensive line, I think he'd have it where we have it. Injuries, we talked about that. Of all the things that went wrong, I, I may be wrong on this, by the way, yeah. but I'm telling you, I, think, I, think, I don't think he would have play calling where the fan. I, I don't think he would, I don't think that'd be on his yeah. top whatever. For, That's my opinion. Yeah, and I, and I get it. And to me, his point, if, when a coach is asked that in this setting, Usually, if they're if they're dead set, it's it's oh presses are and he did say yeah. my confidence level in Press Taylor is high. Yeah. But but normally it would be oh guys that's that's not Press Taylor's going to be yeah. the coordinator. I'm not changing anything right. in terms of right. in terms of our offensive structure. That's a fair point. But we've gotten a little bit of a hint that Doug obviously is is he's, changing some of of all the, the things he's evaluating. That's one of them because they yeah. don't have the passing yeah. game coordinator yeah. this year. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So it's more so. streamlined, which leads me to believe that. Regardless if he takes yeah. over play calling, Doug Peterson, I think, is going to have a much more role in, in yeah. how the offense yeah. is made. Correct. And I think he's going to hope that Ryan Nielsen is an upgrade over Mike Caldwell, which I think he's going to be right about that. Yeah, well, and I don't think there's any questioning that. I mean, he, he very swiftly – I mean, this wasn't a guy that the season ended and he took a couple of weeks to decide whether he was going to change his coordinator. I mean, the season ended Sunday. The coordinator announcement was on Monday. I mean, so, so like, I, like he and I talked about today – that meant that you were contemplating it for a long time. That's a big move 
So that anybody makes a move like that, is, it's been a long time. So All right, uh, as we wrap up uh, in Indianapolis, uh, let's say hello to Taylor Dahl. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Taylor, is there anything you'd like us to say to your new quarterback um, <laughs> when we see him in a couple of days? Uh, Would you like us to pass along anything? Or that, any messages? Anything at all? That was a mean little jab, Frank. I feel like you, it was not you a know. jab. <laughs> yes, it, it was. It was not a jab. <laughs> it was. It was okay. Okay, it was a little jab. Okay, it was a soft. It was a lovable jab, is what it was. I'm, Caleb, you have to go <laughs> on our friend's podcast. Yes. He knows me too if well. Anything, was, say by that. the way, what I, if I got what if I got him on your podcast? That would make up go. for the jab, right? Yeah, I have many okay. things Taylor, to say. I, <laughs> I did have many of your Bears fans come up to me, of course, as Hayes and Frank are also um, experiencing right now. We don't know what day or time it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so they like, came up to me as I'm, like, literally leading Trent to our table for the one-on-one. I'm blanking on who his name was, so I apologize. I told EJ, him I'd catch up with him later in the week. Yeah. Yes, yeah, EJ. EJ. And, uh, and I was like, hey! And, like, Trent's right behind me. I'm like, <laughs> I got to go with Trent. I'll talk to you later. And he's like, I'm Taylor's friend. And I was like... Catch you later, dude. So, uh, yeah, so lots of Bears fans and friends. Yesterday, here. yesterday, I went into y'all's office. You weren't in there, but Taylor was. And she just looked so sad. It was just a sad <laughs> look on her face. It, it was, was it, was that, am I, I'm not embellishing that, Emma. No. You looked sad yesterday. Yeah, I, I'm genuinely, and today probably pushed it even farther. Um, but I genuinely, genuinely am upset because I, I just feel I really like Justin Fields. And I, I'm at the point now where I'm like 98 percent sure they're trading him and going to draft yeah. Caleb Williams, which and I've said this on here before. I don't hate Caleb Williams. I'm not as confident as other people that he's going to be some major improvement. I hope he is, obviously, because I'm just ready for the day where the Bears have that. But um, I just it, – it's a lot. And once it happens, I, I think I'm in, on the same page as Justin right. Fields. We're like, make the announcement so I can start just, like, moving on. Look, what, if I, what if I told you this? Mm-hmm. There's a chance I think he will – I'm serious about this. I think he might be the best quarterback in Bears history. I well, mean, the bar is very respect, low, Frank. It's a very low <laughs> bar. I mean, it's, it's, I mean that, that, so, I mean, think about it. Jim McMahon was the most iconic. Yeah. Who's the best? Was he the best? No, was, the, was best McMahon- hey, the best is probably Sid Luckman way back in the day. Or maybe yeah. maybe okay, you you're can, right. Maybe you can say you're Jay right. Cutler because, yeah, Cutler has broke every Bears record when it comes to Gosh, passing if, yards if and passing touchdowns and completion percentage if, and yeah, all of that Sid, stuff. So. Sid, Sid Luckman in, a, in, right, <laughs> in before modern football. <laughs> but if Jay Cutler's in the if – if Jay Cutler made the conversation yeah. – It's not good. That's yeah. not okay. Okay, yes. so that's all I got. Sorry. Hey, well, whatever. If I see Caleb, I'm say, hey, Caleb, I got a friend named Taylor. I want to tell you all about. You should be it. on her podcast. That's yes. exactly right. It's called uh, Making Monsters. What's going on tonight? What's on? Uh, yeah. What's so on Hamilton Hills? A lot. Uh, we're obviously uh, Lauren's on vacation. Mia's up there with you guys. So Tom McManus is sitting in with me tonight, and we are going oh, I love to. Tommy Mac. He'll be great. Dive into all of this Trent, uh, Trent Balky, Doug Peterson sound today. I think a lot of good stuff from the uh, from what both of them said. I feel like. S- I may be overanalyzing certain parts of it, but there were some things that that stick out to me that make me majorly think they still have a lot of figuring out to do in the direction they're heading. And so Tommy and I will uh, jump into a lot of that and um, pretty much kind of recap everything that we've heard today and get uh, Tommy's opinion on a lot of this too, because I think on that side of things, the, the football player relationship has a lot of times a little different opinion than maybe what I'm feeling. So a lot of stuff to chat about tonight. All right, sounds fun. Now, Taylor and Tommy uh, with Mia calling in. That's Hamilton Hills. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you.
All right, uh, that'll do it for our program. Fun first day. Hayes, I enjoyed it. Mia, you busted oh, your butt. Great. Thank you for uh, Thank you. Uh, for Mia does a lot of stuff that nobody sees behind oh. the scenes with the YouTube and the video. You did a great job. She was incredible. Stuff. So thank you for doing that. That'll do it for our program. Helmets and Heels is next. Don't go anywhere. For Hayes, for RJ, for the absent Lauren Brooks, for Mia, I'm Frank Frangie. So long.